borrowed time, the clock ticks faster. Living off borrowed time, the clock ticks faster. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Living Off Borrowed Time podcast. I'm your host, Patrick, Street Mar YM, joined as always by Optimal Audio. Not Kale Marwam because no matter how hard I try and practice the intro, I fuck up the intro. But I'll try and not fuck up the intro of our guest, formerly known as CB the Dog, currently too broke to care. Presumably that's his. God damn it! I tried not to fuck up the intro of the guest. I still fucked up the intro of the guest. He's too broke to care as his username. Presumably too broke to care in real life and Christian in real life. I don't know if he's a Christian in real life, but his name is Christian. Definitely not in real life, but good to be here. Good to have you here. And we're here to talk about uh, one of my favorite artists that I've always had nothing but nice things to say about. If you look at my ROM page, nothing but glowing four and five star reviews (laughs) of everything he's ever done. Travis Scott. um, Actually, somebody that I, yeah, I took a while to come around on Travis Scott. I, my, my internal narrative on Travis Scott was essentially that Kanye pissed Kid Cudi off and needed a replacement Kid Cudi, and it felt really cynical and obvious, and I listened to Rodeo, and I was just like, dude, rapping sucks, and he's ruining good production, and it's really obnoxious, and his features are carrying everything, and I had a really just negative, visceral reaction to him for a long time, but then I got over myself, and I realized this dude makes good music. It took me a long time, though, and I think it took you guys less of a long time. And I think if we look at his career, I don't think he was always a good artist, but I think he always had potential. And I think he's grown into a good artist. I think he is more more than just a synthesis of his influences. But I think he's one of those like more recent artists that's very defined by his influence, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so can I talk right now? Is it good or are you guys still? Yeah, oh, no, no, go for it. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Kindergarten. You don't need to read I, Go ahead. I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't want to step on no toes. But um, okay. So when it comes to Trav, like I've been following him since he dropped Al Faro back when I was like a senior in high school that year, which I'm now revealing my age is going on 25 soon. But there you go. Um, and the thing with Trav that I think people miss is that when you look at a lot of his old, old music, I'm talking pre-Al Faro, like this underground, yeah. most of it's not that, you know, be honest. I'm just going to cut you off real quick, and I'm not going to ask permission I am, because I'm the host, I get to do this. I did not listen to anything pre-Days Before Rodeo, so you can real quick summarize that, because actually I think I've heard some Al Faro stuff, and I was like, this is fucking garbage, but that was a long time ago, so you can actually summarize that if you want real quick, like his career up to the good sure. signing. But days before Rodeo was when he was signed to good. Obviously, yeah. like, he's got all these features on it. He wouldn't have gotten that before he was signed by yet. So, if you want to, like, give, like, a real quick, like, you're clearly an OG fan. If you want to, like, summarize that shit, go for it. Sure, sure. So, in, like, the late 2000s, um, Trav got his start as a uh, an artist or whatever. And he was just some kid in high school, like everybody else starting. But he had, you know, pretty grandiose aspirations and a bunch of rich friends who connected him with very important people. There's a picture out there from when he was like 17, I want to say, senior in high school, where it's him, two guys that he used to roll with back before he got signed to uh, T.I. and Kanye. And it's him with uh, N.O. Joe and a couple of other guys from 
the rap a lot records days. And I believe NL Joe was the guy who introduced Travis to Mike Dean, who's like Travis's secret weapon. So um the point being like his early stuff sounded more derivative of kind of like MBDTF era Kanye and Watch the Throne era Kanye, especially. Um, but in its own unique way, like it had a lot of trap flavor, a lot of southern hip hop, like chopped and screwed influences, but had this very grandiose kind of like maximalist sound. And but but when you look back at his old, old stuff, like some of the stuff that he would make, he had a group called Travis and Jason, which wasn't really that good. It was just him in his in his it was like his in-between stage before he was like a ill roots blog sensation and like just some random kid on the internet. Um he would pull a lot from trance music samples. Like you hear a lot of stuff like he sampled Better Off Alone, old song of his. Um, this guy Jonas Stewart with the song Cold Winds, which is really good. He sampled in one of his earlier tracks. And the point the point being is that when I go to Travis Scott, I hear his in, the influence that trance music has had on his music. Like I don't really go to it to even hear what he's saying it's more like how is he going to make his vocals sound cool on this track and like when pornography starts and he has this stereo spread vocal that just sounds like god speaking through a fucking cloud and then he goes like all these flashing lights and it's just like la, 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 and i'm like oh my god like that's ridiculous so to me it's just kind of like if trance music and trap music had a baby you'd get travis scott and that's why i think he's so cool because it's just like it's a it's a sound unto his own where he's just kind of channeling that influence into his into into trap music the way in a way that it's never really been done before. And I think that's really cool. I think you put that really well, because listening to Rodeo today, what really struck me about it and also actually listening to all of his other stuff. because I listened to everything except for, uh, well, from what I knew of his career, I did not listen to Al Farrow. I uh, but I did not listen to Birds in the Trap because I actually heard that, albeit through the uh, Slim Case Slowdown version. I heard quite a bit. I heard that quite a bit. Was the outros and what was what struck me most about his music was that I love the way that it was structured. I love the outros. I love the expansiveness of it. And in the early stuff, I could not stand the way that his vocals sounded. I did not care about what he was saying. And the longer his career goes, I thought he got better about parsing out what he was saying to where he could make it more significant when he had something to say or at least make it less relevant. Because I feel like in his early stuff, he's still trying to have a hard Southern rapper image. He's still rapping more. And this dude shouldn't rap. It's the same thing as Cuddy. And that's like the same thing I'm saying where Kanye was looking for a replacement Cuddy. Where it's like, Cuddy is a competent rapper, he can do it. But that's not what you come to a Kid Cudi song for. And it's not what I come to a Travis Scott song for either. Like, he can hit the beats, but it's like, I come to it for that narcotic atmosphere. Mm. Yeah, I think, well, first, I think Travis's story, because I had, I want to say I heard this on a podcast a while back, but Travis's story of um, how he got to the, like, uh, Kanye connection is pretty cool because I mean yeah he had obviously he had like rich friends and he like just had connections via that but also like he went to college like ended up dropping out to do music and then he had like no fucking money and like got cut off from his parents because his 
his he used his the money the only money he had like for his tuition and he used it for like hey I'm gonna like fly to L A and live like on a bunch of couches and like try to send beats to people which is not a great idea but like shows the commitment that like he had to just like honestly fuck everything I'm just gonna make music and eventually it got him into the cruel summer sessions if I believe I think Chris what and you did can, he do on you cruel can, summer? What was his what were his contributions to Cruel Summer? Well, so, there's like there's like eight million producers on Cruel Summer. So well, yeah, that's, what I'm, that's why I'm asking. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? Where was he? Like, I mean, I guess you can't really tell in the final product of Cruel Summer because, like, literally half the fucking Western Hemisphere was on Cruel Summer. But <laughs> yeah. So actually, on Cruel Summer, I he has a song called Sin City on there, I and hate uh, that song. That's something that, that derails the album, dude. That derails the album. City, city is kind of like a city. And now I'm that guy that you liked on that one song on College Dropout, but now I'm actually derailing it with my spoken word bullshit. Oh, like, Malik. Yeah, he, Shut yeah. up. Shut up, <laughs> Jay Ivy. Like, <sighs> that was That was shockingly... Might be the most vitriolic response you Patrick has to a song all evening. <laughs> yeah, and it's on the eighth track of Cool Summer. <laughs> no, I mean, the spoken word part on that was just trash. It was so pretentious and over the top and just shoehorned in for like no fucking reason. But the beat was pretty cool. No, the beat was cool. That's the thing is Cool Summer is such a cool vibey album until this guy comes in with his like pushy ass spoken word bit that just like kills it. And there's also like, there's also the really unfortunate R. Kelly. Uh, uh, okay, R. Kelly, let's not front. That song fucking rules. It just sucks that R. Kelly is the person saying all these things. Yeah, I, mean, I can't I can't deny that to the world is absolutely fire, but I also completely hate R. Kelly as a human. Yeah. Dude. Like, but I, I can't, it, I, I can't convince my ears not to like what I'm hearing when it plays. But it's funny, like I like some R. Kelly albums, but I don't like R. Kelly on that song. I like the song. No, I like. I don't R. like Kelly R. on that song. I'm sorry, I do. I, I do. Don't know. I don't know. He's. I don't know. It, it's kind of corny to me, but I mean, I get liking it. I don't. I don't know. It just. It he never. It never did it for fucking, me. Fucking like, piss you off, flex for Kanye to put R. Kelly on that. Oh, absolutely. And, well, that's have, true. Like the Rick James fuck you couch thing on that. Like, seriously. And it sounds like he has him doing like sweet melodies on the ad libs. And it sounds good to me over the strings. I don't know. Like, Cruel Summer is the ultimate excess. Like, it's a summer blockbuster. Right. And it's, it's an interesting, it's such a, to me, it's such an uneven record. I feel like you get like a run of absolute fire, and then you get a run where it's just like, uh, and then you like it picks on the fucking spoken word track. Yeah, (laughs) I I feel like uh, everybody like forgets about that song with Mason Pusha T on it. Because by the way, we had a song with Mason Pusha T on it, (laughs) where Mace says, "Assalamu alaikum." You know, I ain't Muslim. My I'm about my bacon. (laughs) Where he's talking to Loon. Wait, is this is this fucking like Absol and do with that will energy right here? Oh, from no. this is Mace just being an arrogant pastor dissing a Muslim who was signed to Diddy. No, this is Mace dissing Loon. Jeez. Um, right, Cruel Summer had uh, Mitt Romney don't pay no tax on there, right? Mitt Romney don't yeah. pay no tax. 
and that's where Kanye forgot to like pronounce syllables. Mirami don't pay no tab. Well, he's doing the no he, he's doing the hold me back. Yeah, Rick he's Ross. doing Rick Ross. Don't Rick Ross done told him that, but yeah. Oh God, that was like well, the I beginning it, of I like MAGA it. era right there. That was the that was the uh, the foreshadow. No, but he's, he, oh yeah, I guess you could see this the foreshadowing. If that he's bragging that Mitt Romney don't pay no tax, but like I, that's really good. That, like I want to get as rich as Mitt Romney so I don't have to pay taxes. That's what I always thought he was going for. And Mitt Romney's dog don't have no ropes. <laughs> he's like <laughs> chained to the top of his car. You know, it's been a it's been a tough week for dog is in the news. Uh, oh God! Do we especially, have to go you know, when, when it comes there. to rappers. <laughs> Shout out to Joe Budden bringing that to life. That was so fucked up. There, I will say, I will say, just the internet. There were some memes that really had me dying the other night, though. I, it, it it was fucked up, but there were some memes that really got I would me. I say that I would never, I never thought in my life I would have to explain to my boss. So I, as I've explained on this podcast before, and I really hope that no one from my job ever listens to this podcast. But my boss, who I've said previously, reminds me of Hank Hill. I had to explain to him today the difference between Joe Budden and Joe Biden because oh he my, my conversation <laughs> about Joe Budden talking about masturbating his dog. And now I really hope my wife is not over listening to this podcast while she talks to her my mother. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great this is a great drop in point right here for the podcast. Like, Absolutely, new listeners, new listeners, new listeners. Right. You came for Travis Scott, and now we're gonna get you we're came gonna for get Travis uh, Scott. And now you're hearing about Joe Budden jerking off his uh, poor unfortunate <laughs> dog. By the way, I think that's dog abuse. I'm pretty. Oh, that's, that's, that, that's definitely that I, is for sure. I think that it, that is what's really. Interesting to learn nowadays, too, speaking of Joe Budden, is, like, just how much of a piece of shit this guy actually is. Like, his podcast is entertaining, but this man has no, so it's not. Of- no, I'm going to stop you right there. I tried. I tried. Three hours of this dude drinking Simply Lemonade jugs and coming up with lukewarm takes that are basically <laughs> just, like, the fourth worst person in the hip-hop thread coming up with PRTK, whatever that dude's name is, like the oldest person or RYM type, like hot bars only type takes. Like, huh. fuck you, Joe Budden. Like, no. I'll, like, I'll be where, honest. Where's your good album, Joe Budden? Yeah, where's that good Joe Budden album? Where's Joe Budden featuring Apollo Brown beats? He doesn't even have that. Like, he, he fuck you, Joe Budden. Like, the best <laughs> Joe Budden album is fucking, somebody put the best mood music verses over Portishead's third. And Ooh. that's like six. That's Damn. bad. That's really bad. I like that mood music four is a good is a really good mixtape. I, I would no, even argue. I, I don't believe you, but <laughs> I, I like it a lot. I personally would even be okay with someone arguing that it's a classic mixtape. Personally, don't. I would say the one Joe Budden song that I shouldn't like that I do is he did something called Why, where it's a three part thing about how hip hop died. You know what I'm it sounds about? just absolutely I just terrible. Feel like if anybody, if anybody is going to talk about hip hop dying, I don't want to hear it from Joe Budden. Like, oh no, the- this is the most game thing that's ever happened ever. It's like a three part trilogy about how hip hop died, and he's like whining the whole time. But it's actually not that bad. Um, mm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the Fortis hat, it's it's like called Mood Music's third or something. It's the most tolerable I've ever found Joe Budden for a whole project. Otherwise, like, I think he has, like, individual songs I like. 
I like the first Slaughterhouse album a lot. He's good I, didn't, that. I didn't listen to any of that stuff. Honestly, anything that came off of Shady Records after like two thousand. First Slaughterhouse album was on Shady. The first Slaughterhouse album. Yeah, the first Slaughterhouse album was on E One or some shit. It was on like what Koch became. The second Slaughterhouse album was on Shady and it was garbage. It was yeah. the fucking worst. Any anything that's come off of Shady Records since past 03, like Get Rich or Die Trying is the cutoff for what I'm going to bother with from Shady Records or anything affiliated with Shady Records. Like oh actually no, the games the games albums were good too. Even though he wasn't on Shady Records, like he was kinda like, like he knew Eminem and like they were kinda like buddies cop and Dre beats at the time, but right, uh, but the game the Eminem song on that game album is the worst song on the game album. Oh, Oh yeah, we ain't going nowhere. So fuck yeah, fuck you. That song sucks. So like that's the like yeah, that song's trash. Like that's the one song that, I, like <laughs> I feel like plots. while we're here, guys. While we're here, we, we can we can talk about Travis, but I feel like we should just go in on like hip hop in general right now, man. Because we got uh, we can do whatever you want to do, dude. Like I mean, Travis only has three albums. We can pad this out as long as you want. <laughs> Let's go for it, man. Travis. In in sum with Travis, real quick crash course. I love his sound design. I love his vocal design. I I love the amount of bass that he fucking uses. Honestly. Oh no, that's one thing I noticed about Rodeo. Like the bass on Rodeo is tremendous. Uh, Rodeo, I did not like. I'm redacting the Rodeo review, by the way. As soon as I'm done this, I'm gonna do one of those things where I like do the cross out on it and be like, "Yo, uh, edit uh, nine twenty twenty. I was a fucking moron." <laughs> I like it. I I would never tell somebody you have to like something. Like if you don't like it, you don't like it. I just personally think it's completely mesmerizing, and it's like I've never heard an album with that quality sound design come out of Trap in my entire life. That's like it, damn. It definitely by Dre sound design. It also it it definitely feels like, and I I was I was saving my rodeo thoughts when we talk about it, but it feels like a. Um, like I have the, I've had the CD for years and the CDQ is, is like the quality, the sound quality is, is there like on the CDQ. Like it really, you play that on like decent speakers and you can wow. hear, you can hear it. So it's on I hate to be that have, guy, I, just for the sake of the narrative though, can you just bring us like Travis's career from Al Faro to before, uh, days before rodeo? And we can digress as much as we want. I just kind of want to, you know, stream. Yeah, no, I mean, well, I personally think Al Faro is like... Yeah, I mean, you guys have both heard Al Faro, and I think I've heard tracks from it, and I was just like, this fucking sucks. But I don't want to trust my memory on that, so... It's pretty... I, it's definitely the weakest of all of his, his like, actual projects. Like, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it's close. Um, I think it has, it has good songs, it also has not good songs. Uh, he he hasn't he hasn't found himself yet. I think his whatever contributions he made to Yeezus were more worthwhile in 2013 than Al And I don't think Al is a bad album or anything. I think it's like decent, but I to me it's still it has moments where you're like, oh shit, like this guy can be something. But yeah. I don't think it oh, has. Okay, so he has a bunch of mixtapes classified on. Well, not a bunch. He has five on RYM. Have you heard any of these prior to Al Faro? I've heard all of them. Oh, okay. 
So I've only Bates heard the I've only heard the. So this is Travis and Jason. This is the Travis and Jason thing you were referring to. Has the most yeah. high school ass mixtape cover ever. Bape mixtape. You rated yeah. you rated a one as irredeemably terrible. <laughs> so I think we know what you feel about it. It's bad. All right. Uh, we have Buddy Rich from 2010, which you uh, also rated a one and gave a scathing review to. Yeah, <laughs> I went in. All right. And then we have Cruising USA, which was, by the way, a pretty shitty racing game that Nintendo fans like to tell you is not a shitty racing game because Rare made it. Uh, <laughs> now we have some old school video game opinions out of somebody who doesn't play video games anymore, but that racing game sucked. Um, it has a really... Okay, so I guess this is the last thing he did with Jason. Yeah. Okay, this this is some really shitty mixtape cover art. We are aficionados of, mixta- of shitty mixtape cover art on this podcast. Especially after the last episode. Like, uh, this is some really shitty uh, cut and paste work here. So, uh, like, if I may, when it comes to early Trav here, because I've, I've, I've really followed this guy's career, because you can make a fucking movie where? <laughs> yeah, you you have done the homework. You have done your research. You have the answers. So. so it's it's wild because like I'm not gonna make excuses for old Travis like pre Al Faro Travis pre Al Faro Travis for the most part was pretty whack. But the thing that was holding him back was a budget and that guy Jason. And then him and Jason had a falling out. Fuck you, Jason. Because Jason, I mean, there's old trailers of them back in, like, high school filming, like, promos for their mixtape and stuff. It's wild. It's surreal seeing how, like, Travis was just like every other kid with the MySpace making rap music in the 2000s. Like, it's actually nuts. Um, And Jason... I think it's it's funny that we have, uh, you rated this at two stars. Legends Will Never Die rated this at one and a half. We do not have a Legends Will Never Die review, so we don't get to hear how... The track The Mac is about Travis and Jason saying that they are the Mac. And the next track, The Duke of Earl, is about uh, how Travis thinks he is the Duke of Earl over a gritty trap beat. And the next track, Stay. I'll stop being mean. Shout out to Legends. I love you, dude. This is, but- this is, already, this is already a classic episode. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> man, man just sniped him real quick. God damn. Man, this man hit, hit him with the, hit him with the fans. Yeah. Yeah, he hit him dude. with the he hit him with the Fantano rattling hi hats. He hit him with the, <laughs> the gritty trap snares. The gritty trap the snares. Gosh. Yeah, all right. But let's hear about how this Jason guy like was like the anchor around Travis's ankle real quick. But... So so the thing is like tr- like people write a weird narrative about Travis on his come up. And the thing is like Trav grew up just like some middle class kid in Texas, right? Like he wasn't his parents weren't, like, loaded or anything, but they weren't, like, struggling either. They were doing pretty well. But his friends that he met in high school were, like, balling. Like, one of them was, like, the nephew of someone who worked at rap a lot. This Jason kid had parents who were both, like, really prominent doctors who just, like, basically fund the kid's lifestyle. They bought him, like, a, and he's, like, a father now. It's fucking weird. But they, like, buy him Maybachs and, like, his own fucking apartment in, in like, literally Beverly Hills. And the kid doesn't have to do anything for it. Um... Travis linked up with them because Travis made beats and they liked his beats uh, back then. So they did work together and, and they introduced him to the people that he would eventually use as to meet Mike Dean, who would help him meet Kanye, T.I., etc. Um, 
But the thing, like, Jason wanted to make music with Travis, and they had this whack group called Travis X Jason, Travis and Jason. And he was like, so, like, Patrick, I don't know, like, how how far, like, how old you are. No, uh, I am 34 years old, 35 in October. Oh, okay. So you, you, yeah, are, you are probably <laughs> familiar, potentially familiar with the kid on campus who likes to hawk his mixtape, you know? Oh, um, yeah. When I went to school at Temple, I actually got a bunch of mixtapes from a dude who would just hawk like bullshit. Um, I have several RYM reviews, actually. Um, the Rick Ross mixtape, I actually bought a Rick Ross mixtape for a dollar. Um, it was uh, the one that was Rise to Power or whatever. Yeah, I don't know why I bought that shit. But uh, there was that one. Um, did I buy original audio footage off that? Uh, could you buy original audio footage? That must have been like some sort of burned CDR. Because uh, that, that the clip tape? The clips album. Yeah, the clips tape. Um, I'm trying to think. I obviously got I got I'm Good off of that. Um, because, like, I got mixtapes both from friends in high school who had better internet connections than me because my mom was, like, fucking horrible and cheap and had us on dial-up until 2006. <laughs> 56K until 2006, by the way. Jesus, dude. That's <laughs> I don't think Apple knows the words that are coming out of my mouth right now, but you do. Um, yeah, I caught hey, the I, I know when dial-up internet is. Come on, you got to give me something here. <laughs> but you I, I can't understand. say... I never had it. 2006 is pretty appalling. That's actually like terrifying. My parents held out till like 03, but then they just kind of like we needed this fucking internet. Oh, like, I'm about to appall you even further. When my mom made the jump, it's when I went to college. All right, so I came back and my mom's like, "Oh, I upgraded the internet." She saw ads for satellite internet, so she got <laughs> satellite internet. Gee. Satellite internet was intended for farmers who hated like you know the government. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It was <laughs> Jesus. Christ. It was a scam. My mom did not live in a place where you needed satellite internet. At this point, you could just get a fucking Ethernet cable. But my mom bought a fucking satellite dish and stuck it on her rancher house in the suburbs of Delaware, and still couldn't get a signal. That's brutal. Yep. What? <laughs> oh my god, that's a really that's a really depraved internet childhood right there, man. I, I, I had a depraved like... internet childhood, man. But um, so back to Trav though. So yeah, so yeah, this kid. Where I'm going with the mixtape analogy, and uh, Caleb, you might you might have an appreciation for like kids in school who are like, yo, check out my SoundCloud or whatever. Like yeah, yeah, all the time. Jason was that kid. Jason was the guy who had no fucking talent whatsoever. Had no actual plan to like make crack his crack copy of Pro Tools. He had a crack copy of like, oh, Logic yeah. or Reap. Yeah. He had no nah, even even worse than that. He had a crack copy of FL of uh, Fruity FL Loops. Studio like five, not even seven. He had like oh, five. Yeah. Like, yeah. He had like the outdated drum kit on his shit. Hundred percent, and that's and that's like so. Travis is like legitimately trying to become Travis Scott at the time, uh, and Jason just wants to do this to get laid. In all honesty, like he's just doing this to get with girls and has no real drive. And he leaves Travis abandoned in California, which is when Travis realized when like his, his family found out that Travis was using his college money to um, 
go traveling to make to network and make connections and stuff. And Jason was doing it with him too. He didn't go to college. He was just dicking around and doing whatever because his parents paid for everything. And he just left Travis out to hang because Travis was kind of was taking this more of like as as more of like a um a career ambition, whereas Jason was doing this kind of just to look cool. And then obviously one guy went one way, another guy went the other, and the rest is history. But basically, like early Travis, like people people I feel like people especially. You see it on like RIM or RYM, however people want to refer to it. Um, kind of like dragon track. For one second, and this is really dumb and pedantic, but I've been told by people that they don't like when we say RYM. They think we should just say rate your music. I don't think we should say RIM because that makes it sound like either a Skyrim podcast or worse, some sort of fetish podcast. <laughs> but, uh, some sort of Joe Button podcast? Joe Button. <laughs> Jesus but Christ. yeah, so I don't know. It's like I mean, RYM is fine to me, but like rate your music, I guess. I, I mean, I said the I, I think I, I like think most people are just like the forum. Like they know, like most of our fucking audience comes from the website. So I, but I think you can say rate uh, your music. Saying, you can say, just don't I say think, RAM. Don't say RAM. I think saying I think saying rate your music is horribly nerdy, and and I I, I hate Again, it. Again, yeah, I thought say so. rate your music. Like when the guy said that to me, I was just like, that seems like a lot of syllables. You gotta put like the trademark after it, like. Write your music, copyright. Yeah, we gotta have a copyright drop on that, but uh. Yeah, I, I don't know. So yeah, it just either way, don't say Ram. But that's the one thing I'll say on this podcast: you you can't call it Ram. We're not rumors. We are not rumors. <laughs> Rym, it is then, man. Um, <laughs> But uh, gone with RYM, so I guess RYM is canon for the podcast. It's canon linguistics. Um, anyway, continue. I'm sorry to have derailed your momentum there. But uh, so, but I feel like a lot of people on the site, and just in general, and I don't think it's exclusive to RYM or anything, but I just feel like it's just the general notion that like Travis was like this snake, or he was just this spoiled rich kid who who just got you know. He paid his way up the ladder or whatever. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He definitely used the people that he met at the ground level to get where he needed to and then kind of discarded them when they were of no use to him anymore. But they kind of also did it to him to themselves because he um, he he like his, his DJ Chase B, right? Like he's known yeah. that they were like in middle school together. They went to church together. That's how they met. So he's not throwing everyone he knows originally under the bus. He's not like void of his own ideas. It's just like I he he's intentionally kind of like cast a shadow and, and and shrouded his come up story because he doesn't really want to acknowledge some of the people that he was with because they kind of fucked him over at one point and he barely made it into like the career that he has now. He was like super close to fucking up. Um but, like, he really, I feel like in his early days, like, it wasn't completely refined what he was going for. I think he's definitely grown as an artist and definitely improved since Al Faro. But I give Al Faro and some of the singles before Al Faro, like the song That Bitch Crazy and the song Love Sick, I give those songs a lot of credit because for someone with the few resources that Travis had at his disposal at the time, I don't know that you could make something that I definitely couldn't make something better than what he made 
given the resources that he made. Like, you can find the guy who sung the hook for his his song Lovesick. You can find that guy on, like, LinkedIn. He's, like, a, some, like, regular accountant guy by day, and he plays at, like, community parks in Texas now. Like, that's where Travis was at one point. Like, that man literally made, like, fucking, like, wine out of water. Like, it's kind of phenomenal how he actually did that. So I give I – even though Al Farrow was messy and it – didn't stick the landing a lot, and, and and some of the singles before that were even more like that. Once he got away from Jason, who kept holding him back, and once he he had used the network that Jason helped to provide him to get a budget on his side, to be able to get better engineered music, uh, that's when you started to see the genius of Travis, and if I can call it genius, uh, beginning to creep up. And that's why I have a lot of respect for him, because the kid... Not a kid, really. He's a grown man. He's older than me. But, like, he grinded hard to get to where he had to get. He might have not came from the hood or anything. He might not be street or anything. He might try to put that on sometimes. It's just not working. But he he put in work to get where he got. And that's just nuts seeing the kind of balls that kid had to have at 17, 18, doing what he was doing. Well, Kanye uh, Kanye yes. put him up uh... – during the the cruel, didn't Kanye put him up in a hotel in Paris during the Yeezus sessions? I'm like, he didn't have a home, or was it? It was before that. It, I think it was uh, it was it was the good, it was the cruel summer stuff. I thought Kanye like put him up in a hotel for a while, or Good yeah. Music did, because he didn't have he didn't have anywhere to live. So yeah. like, all right, here, just live in this hotel room and make beats, and then like go come to the studio, and that so, was like what they did, right? Yeah. So what happened with that was so Travis gets out of high school. He's on what tape is he on by that point? Let me look on uh, his discography real quick. He is on Buddy Rich, I think. He's just fresh off of that tape, and he's he's going into his first year of college, and he's using his computer and textbook money, quote unquote, to get him all around the country, basically building this network for himself. Eventually, after he basically comes like within a like a hairline fraction of getting completely disowned by his entire family uh, and getting abandoned by his pal Jason, um, whose rap name is OG Chess, by the way, and he actually has a Twitter, and it's really depressing because he's always trying to get back in touch with Trav, and, like, obviously that's not happening. Um, But right when that happens, his phone doesn't have service, right? Like, (laughs) Travis, his parents cut everything off. They cut his phone off. They cut... They, they froze his accounts, everything. He tried to go back and live with them and apologize. They wouldn't let him in the house. So he, he goes back to L.A. He finds another friend, crashes on their couch. He thought he completely fucked his life up. And, like, his attempts at his career had just failed. And then he gets his, what is it? He gets his phone back on. He gets some money from a friend who floats him some money to get his phone back on so he can check if he got any texts. Out of nowhere, a, uh, his, he put out the song Lovesick, which had a music video for it, which is a really dope video. And, and um, the song ended up blowing up because this, by this time, Travis was being put on by Ill Roots. Like, that's an old blog that he was co-signed by early early on, which is help, would help them get on. And T.I. actually saw the video and, wa- and wanted Travis to fly out to Georgia. And they, he signed him over there. And they cut this song called Animal. Which is on the Hustle Gang mixtape from late Real 2020. Real quick, um, I don't mean to cut you off, but shout out to Ti, who was really influential and, and also like influential, but also 
didn't follow up on it because he was on the ground floor with Travis, Nikki, Meek. Who else? He was on the ground floor with a lot of people, and he never fucking actually made any money off any of these people or actually. I mean, he did. He did squeeze as much money as he could from Vicky Azalea. He also but, did, so he did the sign traffic too. Sucked. He actually got some money yeah. off. <laughs> Pretty much. He Pretty signed much. Travis for his for his first two albums too. Yeah, for for Al Faro and Days Before, right? But well, those, aren't albums. those those tapes. But I'm also talking Birds and uh, so Roadie. Okay, so he had like a loyalty, like he had points. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. But yeah, so I mean, Ti is like business savvy on that. So, but yeah, like Ti is like the ultimate like my own worst enemy story in the business, except for maybe Gucci, although Gucci obviously went to prison, got cloned, and his clone's been doing really well. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> as we'll establish in the episode that listeners will have heard before this one, we support the Gucci was cloned in prison story. So, clearly very credible. Um, we're I mean, man, the way it's going on this podcast. So... The, the way 2020 is going, man, that would be, like, one of the least surprising conspiracies this year so far. Like, I don't want to go off the deep end, man, but, yo, at this Epstein shit, like, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I cannot even, like... But anyway, I, I've, I, that's, like, I'll go on, like, a two-hour... I have one thing I want to ask you, and we'll get to it when we get to it, but I have one thing I want to ask you about, but we'll get to it when we get to it. So, anyway, continue. Uh, I'm just okay. so in seeds. I'm so in seeds. But it's all good. Um, but uh, so Ti, so Ti, Ti signs him, and he, yeah. and he cuts the yeah. song. Ti sucks at business. We know that he <laughs> cuts the song "Animal" with with uh, Travis featuring Ti. Travis does the beat on it by himself. It's really, really good. The beat's really good. Okay, and, so how much does Travis do on his own beats? Because that's been something that's been thrown at him his whole career. Is how much he's actually doing in the studio. So. Mm. All right, so I can compare the evolution of Travis Scott as a producer, like like what him being a producer means by citing two people that kind of held the role of Travis before Travis. And like Travis 1.0, the grandfather of Travis to come, is like Dr. Dre, right? Dr. Dre is in there working on every beat fundamentally, but he's hiring a lot of outside musicians to help him with stuff. It doesn't take away from Dre's virtuosity. It doesn't take away from his ear. But it just shows that, look, I, I can't make something like 2001 well, okay. by to myself. Point, though, after like a certain point, though, Dre is just outsourcing this shit. Like, after, after Out of Control, I would say. Out of Control remix is the point where Dre just outsources the shit. Yeah. And Kanye has somewhat, he's like the next step here is somewhat even more like that and did that a little earlier on. But, um, again, it doesn't take away from his visionary spirit. It's just... I hate to keep cutting you off, but I think... uh, And I'm going to keep cutting you off because I guess now I'm impolite now. All of a sudden you said I could cut you off. Now I'm going to take that as a liberty. (laughs) He's taking full opportunity, yeah. I am. But um, guest on the show, Marshall, once said that he sees Kanye as a modern Quincy Jones in terms of using collaborators. And I kind of see that as like being more of somebody who just takes somebody in the studio and takes one thing, takes another thing, and that they get a production credit, even though they're not there doing like the every single button push. Yeah, I kind of see that aspect 
of like i mean i do hate it when kanye will put his name on something where he clearly just like fucking i don't know um ham for example on watch the throne bonus track that's a lex luger beat and he just put a fucking opera sample at the end yeah but that okay. opera sample rips though if we're gonna be honest but it does fucking <laughs> rip though it makes the it does it does <laughs> but that's what i mean like yeah, he's not sitting there, you know, sweating over a hot MPC making all his beats all the time, but he has a hand in the process. And then Travis is like the third stage, where Travis as a producer, he's good. He's a, he makes good beats, but like he's not amazing necessarily. He doesn't have the prolificness of, of a Dre or a Kanye or a Primo, etc. But his vision for like what producers would work well with each other while we assemble these beats is pretty much only rivaled by Dre and Kanye, in my opinion, because and and I believe that they do it better than him with all due respect. But he's definitely in the conversation of great orchestrators in hip hop production, because where Travis excels isn't necessarily his fundamental skills at making beats, even though he's pretty good at that. It's more like. I studied XYZ artists' music, and when I'm making a beat, I know I'm going to tap XYZ people to work together to make this beat fire. And that's what I think is so genius about Rodeo. When you look at those production credits, it is littered with top-level producers ranging all the way from Toro y Moi to, like, Mike Dean to Kanye even. Travis does some of his own production on there. Metro Boomin's Metro was Metro was all over the Metro, Metro but, the thing, but the thing is, rushes it on that album. Um, I just, I'm almost so thirsty to talk about the production on Rodeo. I just want to kind of get to talking about the album so we can talk about the production. Um, so we talked about Days Before days Pharaoh. Before, like, yeah. I feel like we established the groundwork here. Can we talk about Days Before Pharaoh? Uh, days Before Pharaoh. Days, but we've talked about Days Before Pharaoh. Now let's talk about yeah, the Days yeah. Before the Rodeo. Days Before Rodeo, yeah, yeah. Well, I, so think, I think, well, and, and this is when I first knew who Travis Scott was. And I don't, I think days, when Days Before Radio came out, that's when I was aware of Travis Scott. I wasn't aware. I mean, I think I had probably heard Upper Echelon, like in passing. But I don't think that, like, I was super, super aware of who Travis was. At this, I was in high school. Like, at this time, I wasn't, like, I was, like, up on, like, you know, up-and-coming rappers. But I wasn't, like, super, you know, ahead of the wave. So, I got I knew about Travis with days before. And I thought it was like I think I thought it was like a pretty decent mixtape with some highlights and then I kind of came back to it later post rodeo and my opinion of it like improved uh, uh quite a bit. Like I think it's a really really dope mixtape and like this is like the start of the Travis that we that we like know. Like that you can you can see it's a clear leap. He's got a budget. You know, like he's got some features that require a budget and the sound design on some tracks is nuts he's got some top-notch producers with him like he's he's you know the rise has begun really yeah i would agree i think that on days before rodeo you see him like looking back at al faro and saying because the thing is the, the thing is with al faro like it's really in in large part made of a lot of yeezus leftovers because a lot of because there was two al faros right there was one that he was making like literally in his hometown with a bunch of local engineers. And then there was the one that he started making with T.I. and Kanye. And literally one song from the original sessions made it onto 
Al Faro. On the SoundCloud version of Al Faro, there's this song, 16 Chapels, which was a, was part of the original Al Faro. That's the only track from the original one that made it on to that one. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that a lot of the stuff that got lost in transition was um, was actually raw ideas, snippets of beats, synth loops, etc., that were actually kind of basically given to Kanye to to tweak around and tool around with four eases. So Travis, in a lot of ways, basically gave up his first mixtape to Kanye um, and and in return got the budget that he needed to make Al Faro. And Al Faro came out a little bit earlier so that they could test out, okay, this album is going to somewhat dance around what we're going for on Yeezus. Let's see how people take to it. So he was kind of like the lab rat for like the Yeezus sessions. Mm. And as a result, you got a project that it had a lot of heart. It had a lot of potential. I think there are some moments like Upper Echelon, I think is an amazing, amazing song. I think that's probably the only amazing song on that tape, though. And I think Travis was like, okay, I played the game. I got Al Faro out. It has a couple of dope moments. It has a couple of not-so-dope moments. Now the, the kind of the, the vision that I'm having for with how I want my vocals to sound and, the, and the, uh, the engineering I want on my beats and the kind of song structure I'm going for, now I, ha- I am beginning to get into the financial bracket that I would need to be in to actually do that stuff. And I think on Days Before Rodeo, it showed people who saw the potential in Travis on Al Faro, but didn't quite know if he would ever live up to it. They showed him, like, okay, this kid, like, he's he's really doing his thing. And it, and it converted a lot of na- – I remember when it came out, a lot of people who were dragging Al Faro when it came out and thought it was corny, they heard, they heard Days Before Rodeo, and they were like, yo, this is sick. And he really kind of started to build his grassroots fan base up a lot from days before rodeo onward. It was like you said, it was like the upward trajectory had begun for trap by that point. It had a, it had a cult, a little bit of a cult status there for a while. Um, because there were still people, there, there might even be people today that still say it's their favorite project of his. Like it's got a little I bit. Don't, of, I don't hear that. Um, okay. So this is a project I had not heard in full until today. I'd heard Mamacita before this. I'd probably I'd heard sloppy toppy before this. Also, mm-hmm. I hate when I say this term sloppy toppy several times in this podcast. Several times. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. And I probably heard drums you should try before this, although I had not appreciated it before this, because that's by far the best song on here, by the way. Fucking love that song. Um and yeah, I'd not heard it as a full cohesive project until today. And listening to it with a full appreciation of who Travis is an artist now mid um fucking mid there are some songs on here that i really like uh drugs you should try it feels like a fully realized visual of who travis is as an artist who he wants to be how he should present himself production wise vocal wise everything everything comes together i love that fucking song mama Sita feels like it's artists who are copacetic with him for lack of a better term it seems like kind of corny for me to say it like that but it feels like both rich homie kwan especially thug i feel like both the thug features on here really dovetail well with what he's trying to do like they're very kindred spirits in terms of Mm. like how they present themselves and how vocally they approach music um 
Uh, I think actually I like Skyfall better because of the way the beat is. Um, that's one. That's Metro, right? Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's one of the Metro most. That, that's fucking yeah. yeah. Apparently, that's an iconic Metro beat, and I probably yeah. heard it before. That shit hit hard. I love that. It's shit. a it's a fan. Um, that's a fan favorite uh, song and and beat of his. There's a video of them making the beat in the studio. That's a very famous video. Now nah, that, that shit shit just make that shit darker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. is. Now that shit's yeah. that shit's killer. Uh, the Migos track is dumb as hell, but I'm not gonna say the name again. But it's it's fun. Like it's seriously fun. Like I'm not like gonna like go play that sloppy toppy. Yo, like throw that <laughs> on. Throw throw on that sloppy toppy. But you know it's fine. Um, Gray is really cool. That's a good album closer. I assume the next track is like a bonus. Because it's like fine, but it doesn't feel cohesive. Gray feels like where he wanted the album to end, and it feels like a good artistic statement on the album to close. I think the intro is good, but it kind of lampshades how he's like, okay, Travis is a good vocalist, but he's not a good singer or a good rapper. And I feel like he kind of has this way of just like throwing everything in a pot and throwing it at you and throwing all of his influences on his sleeve in a way that doesn't necessarily work in a way that like thug and Wayne can make it work with Travis. It kind of feels like he's like, Oh, I'm doing Cuddy now. Now I'm doing thug. Now I'm doing Wayne. Now I'm doing UGK. Now it's like, you can kind of play connect the dots with his references almost. And maybe I'm coming at it from somebody who's not a huge fan, somebody who's actively a hater for a little while and kind of hated this about him where it was just like, it almost cynically seemed like you were being brought on the roster to fill a void. And that's what annoyed me about him. And it doesn't annoy me about him anymore, but I can still see it in his early music. Not so much the later stuff. Like on McKnight, he seemed like more his own artist. On Afterworld, I feel like he has his own identity. On here, it feels like he's still kind of aping other artists a little bit. Uh, Mama Sita, I like as a song, but the beat feels cheap. And I don't like his rapping on it as much as the other two. Feels like a great thug song. Kind of like Pick Up the Phone feels like a great thug song that I never feel like a Travis song. But we've had this discussion on the pod before where it's like half the people think it's a Travis song, half the people think it's a thug song. Yeah. Well, I mean, they both Well, they both didn't help them. They both put it on their projects. Thug put right. it on Jeffrey and Travis put it on. So who knows? Um, I don't know. I think... To your point, there are some moments on Days of Royal. Like I, I'm not huge on zombies. Um, I don't remember Backyard. I like Gray. I like Back a lot. I actually like Back a lot. I think it's a cool song. I mean, we already Skyfall. I don't we dislike it, but I feel like Gray was like the album ended and then Back. Like that's fine, but like it doesn't like. It I just feel feels like, Gray... like it just feels like a Travis song. Yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't feel there's no like. Addition. I actively dislike Quintana Part Two. By the way, that actively annoyed me. Really, I love. Yeah. People usually like... people usually point to that as one of the better. Mo- I mean, not like a Skyfall, Mama Cita, Drugs You Should Try Mo, but like no, it was like because like between Mama Cita and Drugs You Should Try It, and uh, those were like okay. the highlights. And Quintana just like something about his delivery was grating on that to me, and. Yeah. I like and, uh, the also I love, fuck uh, Big Sean forever. Like okay, not fuck Big Sean forever. Um, 
there's something I want to discuss on this show is that there are, there are albums that people really like for some reason. I don't know, like just pull someone out of the hat. Like, I don't know, my bloody Valentine and Loveless. And like, it might feel like only shallow to say this, but I'd rather hear Eminem go on for like two minutes at the end of some dumbass masturbatory nine minute cypher than listen to some fuckhead masturbate over effects pedals. I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, know. We, we did. We were shocked that people fucked to Loveless. At least I was. Uh, I was shocked. I mean, I don't think people in RYM fucked anything. They can go fuck themselves, but I don't think they actually fucked a Loveless. Dude, this is this is an elite episode for just napalming the entire uh, the entire <laughs> website. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is pretty brutal right now. Fucking fucking apocalypse now out here, Jesus Christ! I, I was really just trying to make the one big Sean joke that I was like telling Optimal that I was gonna like build up to, and then I just I just like fucking going in our way instead. Well, Patrick did say that Detroit Two was better than Loveless, so it he is, did say. By the way, yeah. I mean, neither, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Detroit I'm yeah, Detroit Two has more good songs than Loveless. I'm not like a huge Loveless fan. I respect it. Like I, when I rate, because I'm a very positive rating scale. Like I'm really like I give everything a five. But that's why I have a ton of lists so that people like understand the more detailed meanings behind like how much I exactly I like something. So I have Loveless at like a four and a half star out of five, and a four and a half star is like, it's like, mm-hmm. go on. So you go to like a five star restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. You get a, mm-hmm. a one of the house dishes. It's it's phenomenally it's phenomenally well made. It's critically acclaimed. You personally thought it was enjoyable, but would you call it something that you love? No, it just wasn't your cup of tea. It's like going on a date with someone who's really hot, but they're not your type. And it's just it's just not my kind of album. I don't know what it is. It's it's an interesting album. It's it's fun, but it's like I don't know. It just seems like why would I want to listen to this more than once? It's kind of like a gimmick in my opinion. Well, it's you've got you've you got uh... It's funny cuz you described it as fun, which is first of all the last that I would describe that out that album as I, don't know, I feel like it's also, a light because, like your analogy like is really interesting to me because you said it was like a really hot chick which is like yeah loveless is like everything that's attractive to me in music but i listen to it and it does nothing for me yeah literally nothing it just like i'm i feel loveless to it it lays there <laughs> <laughs> no yeah uh... i think that it's just there's nothing that clearly defines that album as for me at least as like something that i should listen to more than once like it's like it's so drown it's kind of like a it's like if, if like you took dream pop and made it a deep fried meme you'd get loveless like it just it's like so many effects that i can't really the effects like, almost feel like a gimmick at some point yeah. it's weird because like I listen to other stuff from the same ish time period. Jesus and Mary Chain does nothing for me. I like Slovaki. I like Slovaki quite a bit. Obviously, we've gone on the podcast. I love Mazzy Star, but I don't think that's actually comparable. But you're talking about Dream Pop, and I, I associate Dream Pop with Mazzy Star. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. You're so right. I don't know. It's just like, I honestly, I heard Loveless before. Or I was even on RYM, and I gave it another shot after it was like, oh, it's heresy to be on RYM and not fucking love Loveless. But 
it's just it never fucking did anything for me man it's like and it's become a meme it's like you know somebody mentions taylor swift i have to you know put my two pennies in somebody mentions loveless i have to you know talk about how i don't like it somebody mentions chance the rapper i have to say how he sucks and you know what taylor swift sucks loveless sucks chance the rapper sucks if you like any of those three things you can't listen to our fucking podcast so there well, I guess I can't be a host <laughs> on the podcast then, because I because I have loveless. Yeah, again, well, you can't. Li- like, they already established like a week ago. You can't listen to your own podcast for some other reason. I forget. Like there was some reason you can't listen. To it. There, there was somebody said something to me. I can't listen to my own podcast, but yeah, it's fine. You know, we're we're, we're trying out here. We're we're vibing. We're talking about we're talking about artists that Patrick hates, which is always a good time. Eventually, it becomes just artists that I hate for a while. <laughs> well, that's the thing is we've established that really nobody can listen to this podcast. Pretty much, it's just a podcast <laughs> I listen to to myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wyatt has to listen to it because he edits. He has to. He edits it for me to listen to to myself. Well, I make a spreadsheet of people who can continuously not people, listen. People, people always ask oh, me like. People will ask me, like, oh, you know, let me listen to this, like, podcast episode you did. And I'm like, this is the most niche thing ever. Like, I hope you enjoy us just shitting on people that you like. (laughs) (laughs) Or never heard of, yeah. yeah. It's one of those two things. But anyhow, uh, I I think the the days before rodeo talk was, is, is, I think, like, it's Okay, oh, yeah. I I think drugs you should. I was shitting on Big Sean, by the way, yeah. Uh, Big Sean. I think the. The the Big Sean song though, I think it's Oh, a... the Big Sean song is actually good. It's just his verse is shit. And Travis's verse on it's a non entity, but Travis is fine on it. The beat's great. It's one of the better beats on here. Beat's amazing on that it's song. It's a really it's a really love. great beat. I love um I actually love the nineteen seventy five on it, which is nineteen seventy five on a rap track makes really no sense, but only oh, I was only very by that, yeah. Only <laughs> Travis Scott. But. Only Travis Scott would put the 1975 on a rap song, and it, like you know what I mean. So it, it, it's, it's such a strange amalgamation of people that it makes sense to me. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I, I think drugs you should try it. I think drugs you should try it is still to this day a fan a fan favorite, and for good reason because it's it's a really it kind of encapsulates Travis Scott's like general sound and aesthetic. Yeah. Or it's like, hey, let's just like, what if we make the most like psychedelic rap music possible in like 2014? Well, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't like main attractions level, but still, it was like, it's still for, for like, you know, modern trap at the time that was a really psychedelic take. Yeah, think, for a mainstream, and this was mainstream. He's yeah. taking chances. He's expanding it with within the trap milieu he's definitely doing shit um there's really again nothing on here that really triggers my cringe gag reflex aside from sean's verse and honestly if i like look at when this came out this is like 2014 there are way worse big sean verses than this in 2014 so so yeah um there's nothing I would skip on here except for that. I'm like again, Quintana just hit me like a sour note, but more just because of the placement of it. I think if you put it in a different place, because it's like you have like hit, hit. Like I feel like if you just had like Monacea, drugs you should try it, and Skyfall, like one, two, three, and then you kind of went to like the midsection of it, it would be received a lot better. And yeah. I think of it a lot better because then you just had kind of have like that killer sack, like the killer opening section. Um, but mm-hmm. that's just I, how rap albums are structured. So I, 
I, I disagree with your four and a half stars on this, by the way, Christian. <laughs> I think it, I would probably give it a three. I gave it a 2.5. Um, but And also the cover art sucks. Um, I don't know what he's going for on the cover art. I like mean, house, I house party, I guess. Look very good. I mean, I personally think as far as mixtapes go, that that's one of like the seminal mixtapes of 2010s hip-hop. I mean, when you talk about like... You talk about like... Chief Keith's run, you talk about Little B's run, you talk about uh Juicy J's run even, who who had Oh, like, I wouldn't put it against any of theirs though. I wouldn't put it I against I wouldn't put it against their like, uh, like uh okay, so we're talking well Keith's okay, Keith mixtapes, like a stop breaker, a mixtape or an album. Album. It's an album, but all the all the Back from the Dead's are mixtapes. So. Okay, so Back from the Dead 2 is a mixtape. This isn't in that league. Lil B, all his shit's mixtapes. And also, I don't think Lil B shit is comparable to anything other than his own work. <laughs> yeah, Lil I, B, Lil B can only be compared to Lil B. <laughs> like really, like Lil B is like a recursive loop. So Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, in in all in I all think good ways. Travis is trying to be compared. Mostly to Cuddy, uh, Juicy's a good comparison. He would actually use Juicy on the next album. Um, mm-hmm. I would actually want to transition. They went on tour to together, together, actually. Yeah. The Never Sober uh, tour. I almost went to that. Well, I think it's funny that Juicy J had, and had a tour called Never Sober. That makes sense. Uh, that's like the most pandering thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> It's, it's also obvious. It also like, seems it's accurate. Obvious. Like I also feel like Juicy J is not out there like being a Mormon and then doing a Never Sober tour. I think Juicy J was probably Never Sober on the Never Sober tour. I think that was like truth in advertising. It really was. Well, I mean, Juicy J did have a bad addiction to Zans. Like on his in his uh, later career, he he talked about it. I think I saw a podcast with him talking about how he like fucked him up. Yeah, um, Zans so make he, him sad, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is the dumbest joke I've ever made on this podcast. Oh, my God. Anyway, moving on to Rodeo by Travis Scott. Um, I hate the cover art of this album, and that's probably why I came into it with a fully formed negative opinion. Um, how do you feel about the cover art to this album? Because I, I actually have the deluxe edition, which is also has really dumb. Why did he go with, like, the action figure thing, dude? Like, I don't get it. What? Why is he doing the action figure thing? Can you eliminate this? I I wish that I could explain the action figure thing, but I honestly have no idea why he picked it. I it's thought Uncanny it was, Valley, and it gave me just like the creeps out the gate, and I just like I don't know. Before I even heard it, I saw it. And I'm just like, this is what, and yeah. So essentially, like just to soapbox real quick, I already had a fully formed negative opinion that Kanye fell out with Cuddy, wanted to go in with his replacement Cuddy. And had somebody who was doing psychedelic music, like, quote-unquote, trap music about drugs, and had this. And so I kind of half-listened to it and came up with a really negative review on RYM. Some people like, and other people still ask me about to this day, where I still shit on it. I do not stand by that review anymore. In fact, right now I'm updating it to a 3.5. Wow, <laughs> big, big moves. That's actually it's a huge leap for 10. you. That's a huge leap. Seven on the Fantano scale, which is the only time we're going to mention that man's name because he doesn't mention us at all, as I've said before. Once he starts mentioning us, we'll mention him more. Um, Yeah. So this album is a production pen. The lyrical, like, 
three. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like it's fucking. And the other thing about this that really didn't appeal to me at first that I still kind of stand by is that he leans on the features. When he has a feature on a song, that feature defines the song. From Quavo all the way to the very, very disappointing Tori Moi song. Well, that's the like worst. Things. The Tori Moi song is the is the only song that uh, I don't think it it's doesn't sound like a Tori Moi. Like, yeah, I don't think. Does, but it's like he's doing some weird shit that's like the worst possible version of Tori Moi. And also, the Kanye song is an unfinished version of like. I don't even know. Like, it's not bad. But it's also like an unfinished Kanye temper tantrum song that he forgot to write like two parts to. You don't like Kanye saying I use your face as a urinal? Actually, I do like that. I, I, think, I, I don't want I think... Kanye to use my face as a urinal. Just <laughs> clarification. But uh, I, it's also like... Also, wasn't Paul McCartney on that? Like he, he probably redacted his credit, but I'm pretty sure that was like Paul McCartney Sessions era. No, it was the Paul McCartney Sessions era. I don't know if Paul ended up on that song per se. He wasn't like back there whistling. Hey, but I don't think that was on "Puts on Your Grave." No, I don't think it was on "Puts on Your Grave." Now that would have been hilarious if Paul McCartney was saying is harmonizing "Piss on Your Grave" in the background. Yeah, that would. I, be- I would. I would laugh. But to answer, to, to your point, real quick. I adore like 98% of this album, um, really like 99%. The only song that I don't love is the Toro Imoa track. And I'm, I'm including the Deluxe in that because I think the Deluxe has great songs too. Um, the Toro Imoa yeah, track I to heard me. The deluxe. And keeping in the theme of this podcast, I heard the Deluxe edition, not the edition most people have heard, I guess. Because, uh, yeah, mine went like 16, the Deluxe 16, because mine yeah, went yeah. too it has, it has the song with Schoolboy on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah, um, Mama, Mar- Mama I'm drunk. Maria, I'm drunk is maybe his best song. Yeah, I think my favorite on this album, it 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 it, it dances between like these three songs at any given moment. It's thirty five hundred nine zero two one zero or Nightcrawler. I prob- knew you were gonna say those. Okay, people. so you didn't say Maria, I'm drunk, so you're wrong. Um, <laughs> 90210 would be a perfect song if Kid Cudi, Frank Ocean, or Young Thug sang it. His singing on that song, his like, I don't know, the construction of that song is 100% perfect. The beat on that song is 100% perfect. His lyrics on that, I know the lyrics on a Travis, Travis Scott song are beside the point, but and maybe the point is that they're vapid, but they're distractingly vapid. I didn't like it. Like, you didn't think the second half of the song had like some of his most impassioned like rapping? Like the second actually, half is much better than the first half. The second mm-hmm. half gets like the second half definitely is much better than the first half. The first half is just kind of like I I just want to hear the chick. I don't want to hear him. K- yeah, Casey Hill. Yes, I know. Yeah. I'm looking at I. But the point is, when I hear it, and I don't know who she is. Like I'm looking at the ROM credits. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I just heard the song on the radio. I was just like, why can't I hear the chick? Yeah, the second half is obviously way more invested. Um, but yeah, like I feel like that was something where if you can imagine if he was totally a hundred percent in his lens bag the whole time. Hmm. I've I've actually I haven't given lens too many listens. I've heard it like one time in passing. Wow. You know, yeah. he like, I mean, that's like, that's a soul. I'm pretty sure that's, uh, Travis did that. I mean, he, I think 
That's I know like that he was best production effort where like the part where he drops out where he drops out the beat, puts the distortion on his beast, so like the Keisha Cole line on that is like my favorite Travis moment in anything ever. I got I got I gotta listen to it again. I, I tend to avoid stuff that Travis features on because I um I, I, as much as I love Travis, I feel like he does phone in like ninety nine percent of his features. That like, is not a phoned in Travis feature. Well, no, I, I, no, definitely not. It's probably good, but I just haven't, I haven't even paid enough attention to the song to even like make that evaluation because I anything with Travis on a feature, it's either going to be phenomenal or it's going to have a very mediocre feature. It's funny that you said that because Caleb said the exact same shit like two days ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and, I, I, I will listen to Travis features and be like, if it's just merely good or like, if, if to me, it's either like mid or amazing or like great, like whatever. But if it's like merely good, I'm like, oh, that was unusual. Like I'm expecting yeah. not exactly two extremes, but I'm expecting, you know, either he, he just, you know, got the, the direct deposit hit or he actually gave a shit like that yeah, sort of he's thing. He's like Jay. He's like Jay at this point. Like Jay, you're either going to get like super, you're getting like fucking, um, what was that song he did with Pharrell? It was like the worst thing I've ever heard in my Ent- life. Oh, o- Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. Yeah. That made me want to like hang myself in a fucking <laughs> bank or, uh, yeah, you're getting that or you're getting what's free with me where it's like the most like, how can you do what's free with me and then do entrepreneur? Right, but listen to listen to what he's piece. saying in "What's Free," and then listen to what he's saying in "Entrepreneur." It makes no sense. I didn't even listen to "Entrepreneur." I, it just seemed like don't don't the, between the title and the lineup. Like I love Jay's rap. Oh, don't listen to the don't watch the video where you have like smiling minorities being like, "I own a small business." <laughs> and then there's like a graphic yeah. of what they own. Like, oh my god! Like, I feel like like Jay is still like when he talks about anything regarding like business or or like the black dollar quote-unquote like i don't know man i feel like we're all i i i'll go down this road i don't care I, i'm pretty no, far left as as it were i'm pretty damn near like radical. yeah we we are we all are we all are. you okay. don't have to worry about that let, yeah. let we're on the same page here and so i'm like, man yeah. jay being all like yeah entrepreneurship is the answer to all of the problems it's like the problems are entrepreneurship, man. It's like everything that like, and that's that's obviously distilling the problems into a way simpler. I'm not like, I'm not saying that that's all that's going on or that every no, kind you're of ma- you're making you're making a point. Well, I get no, you. you're making a macro show. point, yeah. but it's about like micro problems. But the macro point is that gross fucking late stage capitalism brought us to there. Like we can deal with the micro problems later. But yeah, the max exactly. point you can't just put a smiling face on it. It's like, oh, entrepreneur sit, like build yourself a business is gonna get you out of this. Build yourself a business is gonna get you out of a fucking like uh you know what I mean. But yeah, this, this yeah is, being being a being a being a my, like owning a small business as a minority isn't gonna cure racism, like against yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Owning part of a subway isn't gonna stop a cop from standing on your neck for nine minutes. Exactly. 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 That's what I feel like. And, and I feel like, too, like, the overlap economically and racially, like, how much racism has grown out of classism and has grown out of the modern capitalism that we have, and really historically any kind of remote form of capitalism that we've ever seen, like, I really don't need to hear from a billionaire to telling me, like, hey, man, I know that this shit sucks, but if you just start your small business, 
you'll be good. It's like, fuck you, dude. Like, it worked for you. You're the billionaire here, and that's great. But, like, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I hate to, like, I don't know why this came to my mind, but uh, fucking Modest Mouse lyric, we got the land, but they got the view. Uh, fucking, um, and one of the best music lyrics, I, um, one of the best music articles I ever read was um, when Magna Carta came out after Occupy, uh, Jeff Weiss yeah. wrote something saying the world did not have time for Jay-Z's 1% raps. How the fuck are you going to come out with? First of all, he came out with a shirt that said Occupy All Streets. He tried to make money off of it, and then he came out with Magna Carta. I mean, fuck this, you. This, is also you. The, this is also the Jay who, and this is why I always find it puzzling that people put Jay-Z on like this moral high ground, and it's like, oh yeah, he's, you know, he's a for the people. Jay... <laughs> Was a Jay's partial for Jay. Jay's for Jay. Exactly. Yeah. And and Jay is like a partial owner. Of, like he was a partial investor rather in the Barclays Center, which gentrified his own home. Like, yeah. like when did when was Jay ever like a good guy? Jay has been a slimy businessman since nineteen whatever. Like and like that's fine, but I don't need to hear the slimy businessman telling me how if I just become a slimy businessman, um, we'll fix the problem here. Like. No, Jay. I, I'm I'm going to pass on that. Thank you very much. At least I guess Kanye, that's why like Washington Throne is not fun, and that's why Magna Carta is gross. Yeah, and it's like Washington okay. Throne is actually good music, but it's like I can't like. It's hard to look past that in terms of like when you actually look too hard at it. And Magna Carta just sucks because he's lazy rapping on it, and it's just like. I'm gonna be there's honest. A lot, there's a lot that sucks about Magna Carta aside from the ideological or like yeah, yeah. It, but but like yeah. So I don't know. We we digress pretty hard on this. Um, I don't know what you like about Nightcrawler because it like feels like it's kind of just a like hard right back to the Travis album. Because um, I don't want to just shit on Jay Z for three hours. It's like a shit on Jay Z being a gross capitalist oligarch for the rest of my life. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. How um, does how does one not love Chief Keef's verse on Nightcrawler? I, I love it, but it's a cheap, great Chief Keef verse that has nothing to do with a Travis Scott song. It has nothing to do, but that's but Chief Keef talks about Chief Keef on that on that verse says, uh, "Order some more money," which, by the way, makes absolutely no <laughs> sense. Makes absolutely no sense. But that's, that's what I like about <laughs> Travis's music is like lyrically, I'm not even there to hear what he's saying lyrically. I don't give a shit. It's all about how he designs the vocals. He, the he transition, like, the transition at the end of Keith's verse when it goes back to the hook is insane. It's amazing. I think that's what pissed me off so bad about when I listened to this is that I was actually enjoying the instrumentals, but the so not give a shit about the vocal part of it was really mm -hmm. getting on my nerves. Like the so not give a shit about how anything that they were saying. Like no one cared about the words that were coming out of their mouths. I mean, Except but also, Future. but but Nightcrawler actually in passion. Future I mean, actually really cared about what he was saying. Oh my god! Wait, hold on. We could, we could, I could personally spend like ten minutes on that Future verse because that's one of like my five favorite Future verses ever. Like that verse is, and a lot of people, I think a lot of Future fans have a at least somewhat of a similar take to that because that is a thirty-five hundred for one. There's a there's a thread on the single page in RYM where some user said uh, I could kill God when the hook comes on and he's right he, I, that hook yeah. is that hook okay. is that hook is top of the mountain ass shit right there like that is an incredible fucking hook the adrenaline is so high on that and Future's verse 
the way that he like does it from the start and then the way it like closes and goes back into the hook and you can feel like the beat slowly build into like, the, the hook when he's like ending his verse. And, and the whole verse he's talking about like, I mean, this is peak future. This is 2015. He couldn't make a bad song. Like this is this is it right here. He had like hundred songs in like a week, and none of them were bad. None of them were bad. He future. I really love Dirty Sprite too, like that. And there's still not a bad song on that fucking album. It's like 40 tracks long. It's like three hours long. It's like as long. Yeah, it's like a. It's like a. I think it's like a 19 song album. Yeah, it's uh. Well, with the deluxe, yeah. But it's uh. It's... By the way, Beast Mode's still better than DS2. Future he... episode coming soon. Those future episode will happen. We do need a we do need a guest for that at some point. We do need I, a guest. Kristen, no Kristen, maybe you'll be the, not be the before before he went yes, down man. like the before he went down the alt right rabbit hole. Dead in June could have been, well, aka Brooklyn yeah. Russell could have been the future guy. And I have no. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know no, he doesn't. He doesn't. We we don't acknowledge him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well. In that case, yeah, yeah I, no, I, I, yeah, I, we'll, we'll, we'll think of, we'll think of somebody. We're yeah, we'll bleep that out like the time that I said Horbs bleep about. Yeah, the, the <laughs> but anyhow, that future verse is is peak future. It's I, I mean, there are so many quotables in that line. I love he ends the verse with the like the I forget what the but it's like the way he just ends it. It's not even like a profound line, but just the way he flows on it is so crazy. And then I just love the fact when he's like, there's gold around my neck. That's a new Grammy or whatever. When like Future has never won a Grammy, but or I hadn't at that time won a Grammy. Like it's just has, such a. Has he, has he won a Grammy? Well, he won it. He was on King's Dead won a Grammy. So. King's Dead won a. <laughs> Surprise me at all. Uh, I mean, oh, Future. I love that. Future is incredible on King's okay, Dead. All right. Do we need to have this fight too? Do we really need to have this fight too? King's Dead sucks. Come on! Oh wait, hold on. All right, take out. Take that out. Was like out. an amazing meme with a good beat. Yeah, no, it was a meme. It was just a fucking meme. Like it was. You didn't. You was didn't like. King's Dead the is the best like thing my... about the Black Panther soundtrack was Absol and Anderson Pac. That one song with Absol and Anderson Pac is the best song on the Black Panther soundtrack by far. I forget which uh, which other. It's called song. Bloody Water. It's like the two best Absol verses and like. Since control. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That, that's a good song. Yeah, I, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that soundtrack in in a while. Um, I, I haven't either. But like, I kept that one song, and it's still on like my shuffles for shit. So I hear it occasionally, and it's really fucking good. I hate King's Dead because I hate the way Future sounds on it, and I think Kendrick slept walk through a lot of that shit and got like praise for it because it was associated with Black Panther. I don't know Kendrick on Kendrick. That was like his hardest song, verse on the whole. Like he like has good verses on it and stuff, but it was just like I feel like he kind of cashed the check on it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, like, I I agree that he cashed the check on it. Absolutely. I think. I mean, but post damn, like Kendrick didn't really want to put in like a all. I mean, a hundred. I mean, come on, that man was tired. He was accepting peace. He was accepting. Uh, what was it Nobel? Not the Nobel Prize. What was the uh, what was the Pulitzer Prize? Yeah, he was accepting Pulitzer prizes. My man was just coasting out here, high on life. I feel like Kendrick too nowadays. Since we're on the topic, I feel like Kendrick is really numb to like the hip hop. Because like, here's the thing: why 
are there pundits in hip hop that are really making a comparison between Drake and Kendrick Lamar as far as talent is concerned? Like, I, with all due respect to Drake, like he has not been making something that I would give a shit about from the top down in at least five years. And even at its best, he was not touching Kendrick. Once yeah, Kendrick, absolutely. Kendrick, once Kendrick hit good Kid Mad City level, the 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 comparison between the two, which was weak to begin with, was literally impossible. Like, I don't know. and also, and and also, like c- albums that couldn't be more different from each other, and not even a criticism of either one. Just like they're way different. Like nothing was the same. Sounds nothing like fucking to pimp a butterfly. <laughs> like, oh, no. you know? like in terms of what their context is, in terms of what their content is, in terms of what their audience is, they're going for completely different. I mean, when Drake tries to go conscious, it's cringy. Like, and when Kendrick tries to go poppy, it's different than Drake. It's like, right. and I don't know, this fucking punditry shit. It's to quote a uh, frequent podcast content topic, Makami is goof to me. Shit's goof, you know. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it is. it's like, a lot of it's a lot of complex media comparing like shit like that. You know what I mean? It's just, it's fucking clickbait. It's like, you know, you're going to click on this because I'm comparing two rappers you like and they've worked together and or quote unquote beefed with each other. Like, so we're going to try and get your views by comparing them to each other and pretending that they have some relevance to each other. Really? They don't. They don't at all. But I feel like the fact that so much of the media has just been constantly Comparing him to like future or comparing, was, there was a point in 2015, people were ever that was the biggest thing was like Kendrick versus future. Like, oh, Kendrick, people left the, the concert that future was at once Kendrick came on stage to perform whatever. And it's like, yeah, because they were all fucked up and they wanted to see future and they wanted to sing on to future songs and they didn't want to sing on to bitch, don't kill my vibe. <laughs> and and, and, and the story, like, yeah. And it was just like, I mean, I don't, there's I, a Drake and Future comparison to be made because yeah. they work together and they work in the same fucking lane. Yeah, you can make that comparison. Kendrick works in a completely different lane. Kendrick doesn't really work in the pop rap lane. Sometimes he'll do pop rap songs, but that's not really where he's working. Who the fuck yeah. knows where he's working? He's self-consciously fucking arty, almost to a frustrating point. Like, no one knows where he's going. And I really hope he doesn't do this dumb rock shit, but maybe he'll make it work. I don't know. I'm not confident. But, you know. I'm not optimistic, but I don't, I don't think – I think Kendrick – this is a, this is a, a take, I guess, because I think Kendrick's quote-unquote ambitions and such are actually placed upon him more by the people listening to his music than him himself. Yes, to Pimp Butterfly – I mean, we can go on about, you know, the, the high concept with that. But at the same time, if you take away the fucking, like, you know, the poems and stuff, like, it really, I don't think it's, like, super, uh, like, insane, you know, high concept. Or, or like, it's not, Lupe, like- it's not Lupe Fiasco, Food and, not Food and Liquor 2, the Great American Rap Album Part 1 Literature Class Ass like rap rapping where you're like this is boring as fuck at the time yeah and i'm happy that it's not that you know? right and that's no, the thing i, the thing I think is, people like, people listen one of the best quotes i heard about it was earl talking about it where he's like these journalists are talking about it's so fucking deep it's not these c-minus ass journalists are acting like it's so fucking unpacked this shit no it's really not like he stuck some Pac verses, he stuck a Pac interview at the end and he kind of mm-hmm. like stuck a little bit more of the Pac interview at the end of each song at the end of each song, like a poem, and a little bit of a poem. Oh no, he took a little bit of a poem at the end. And they put a and then the pocket interview. The but the pocket interview is like it makes sense because it's it's just Kendrick 
like, hey, this is the guy that like influenced me the most in my life, and there it is. There it is in at the and end. And it's like Kendrick was never like he writes with like deeper intentions, but it's not like again like no diss on Lupe, but Lupe self consciously writes with like I'm looking for deeper, deeper levels to shit. Kendrick is like here's a level, here's a second level. You can look at the right. second level if you like, but I, here's a surface level you're okay with. That's I, it. I think that that's not a bad way to be as a songwriter, though, because no, it's I'm, not. I'm not dissing Kendrick for yeah, doing that. It's just like, yeah. yeah no. I like, think Lupe. I think Lupe goes. For, I mean, I think it's interesting because Kendrick's like big swings to me throughout his career have like pretty much unanimously hit, and I think Lupe's big swings haven't always hit because, like Patrick said, he's so self-consciously like looking what? for like how can I impress you. Yeah, and I feel like now the way Lupe's doing it is more he's catering to his fans and he's doing it in a way that works, whereas when he was trying to do it in a more, I don't know, this is hard. Like, I've been trying to, I've been grappling with how to do the Lupe episode where it's not seven hours of me just reading Lupe fiasco lyrics and then going to genius, like, here's what this means, here's what this means. Oh, wait, no one's listening. Oh, wait, this is really fucking boring. Oh wait, Lupe is probably listening. I'm downvoted by Lupe and your old truth. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I will I, say, but, I will say to to loop it only to Travis. I want to. I want to. Oh, make I saw what that. you did there. <laughs> Bars. Uh, yeah. Hey, Double right entendre. Now. Don't even ask him how. Hey, I I do I do want to say that. Um, Rodeo, to me, there's two points that I want to make about Rodeo while we're here. And the first point is, to me, this is the proto- the this is the prototypical mid-2010s rap album. And B, it is um, also like the, I think it's the, well, first, the reason why it's the mid-2010s rap album is around, less people are doing it now because like it, there's just, diff- people are influenced by, you know, different music now. But like, out of all the wave of everybody that like wanted to make their album the most Kanye thing while have it be like their own shit as well. This is the best one of that. Like this is really like Kanye, you know, the, the, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy of trap, which is a really cliche thing to say, but it's, it's actually apt in this case because it's just like this incredibly grandiose, like, you know, Piece, yeah, this this like you know huge you know seventy minute like odyssey where it's just like insanely like you said maximalist and it's got all the collaborators and all this stuff, but it still ends up being this like singular vision. And the other thing I want to say is like the reason another reason why it's the mid twenty tens rap album to me is like it's just when you look at the feature list and you look at how it sounds like this just in this and DS two coming out within a month of each other. That's like the mid 2010s. Like, and that was like really carrying the mid 2010s into the late 2010s. This is an album that, you know, kids listen to and were, and were trying to make rap music of like in 2018 or whatever. Like, people listen to fucking all that future run and then they made music in like 2017, 18, you know, that shit. And so I think that like, well, because you're saying because he had like a fucking Migos feature, essentially, he had a Rich Murd feature, essentially. Well, yeah, yeah, and like uh, you know, he had. I mean, you know, he had the the. the I mean, even 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 stuff like Justin Bieber. Future. And by the way, can we all agree, Bieber will never top Maria. I'm drunk. No. 
Never. Yeah, that, that was the only thing he was ever good for. <laughs> he, he, flo- he floated on that song. He floated. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to sit out here and defend Bieber, but Bieber is not the Antichrist. No, no, not at all. Like, I don't hate him, but he's like, he's just okay. He's like decent. I mean, I think 2015 was like as, as quote unquote peak as Bieber could ever do because he had a couple good pop songs out that year too with the, with like that, like the, when, when Skrillex had his little renaissance and he was producing those like, uh, those kind of, those songs. Yeah. Bieber had some good moments there. Of course. Yeah, I feel like, like, yeah, let me back, let me back that up a little bit. He's not like when I say he's like the only thing he was ever good for, quote unquote, that's, that's a little harsh. He has some good music towards like the good ish music towards like the back end of his like run, yeah. so to speak. But um, I feel like his 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 clearly best moment is his part on Maria. I'm drunk. Like he just, I that came out of left field. I was not expecting that. Oh no! Yeah. Like that's amazing. Um, I wonder what the sessions were for this versus the Pablo sessions because he was supposed to be uh, the Kelly Price part on Ultra Light Beam. Justin Bieber was really yeah. That's the Holy shit! I never knew that. Yeah, he was supposed to be the Kelly Price part on Ultra Light Beam. I don't know how that would sound. Kelly Price killed that. Yeah, I I, I could see Justin Bieber doing a good job on it though. I'm not gonna lie. I I, I could see him fitting it. I, his voice definitely isn't as powerful, but it could fit. Interesting. I don't know. I just know this because I hang around the Yandi League subreddit just looking for like Kanye gems because I'm a fucking weirdo. Hey but, man, there's there there's a there's if there's a whole subreddit for it, it's not just you, all right? Like you, <laughs> it's not just you. There's some really bad people on that subreddit. <laughs> just what's, what's as so I alienate even more potential listeners. <laughs> I will say to once again, I, I just I, I could talk about this album for so long. So I the wasted. Is the the way the way that he okay, they did? We con- like this better than the Gucci wasted. Ooh, that's tough. That's I, tough. I think I think I think Pimp C on the hook here annihilates it. Also, the, you talk about bass. The bass on this song not on the hook here. Pimp C is on the hook. What are you talking about? Are you sure? It's a sample. Yeah, it's, it's really- a sample. Yeah, it's not actually. Uh, yeah. Pimp oh, C- okay. Yeah. You're uh, right. Yeah, that's not that's technically what, on the hook, but it's like, yeah. yeah okay. That was I was being yeah. pedantic. Um, Juicy yeah, J's versus Juicy J's outro versus is fucking cool. The outro is really fucking cool. The beat's fucking cool. Uh, I like Juicy's verse a lot. Juicy um, says, "Juicy says." I just think Travis has so little personality for the most part on this. Uh, I feel like on the latter part, he starts like lyrically kind of telling his story a little more on I Can Tell an Apple Pie, the last two tracks mm. on the regular. And like he actually does start lyrically kind of opening up, which is interesting as much as he can, which I think he would on McKnight and uh, on Astro. He, he would evolve. He, he, yeah. On Astro, like, he would be less that. rappy, but more like in terms of when, like he'd be less rappy, like. I hate using that, like, that's the best term I can think of, like, in terms of being aggressive, in terms of the way he flowed, like, in terms of trying to impress you, but more lyrical, like, in terms of coming up with lines that would sit with you. Like, I think, I I hate to say this, like, spoil it, but Coffee Bean's my favorite Travis song, period. Especially the Slater slowed version. I Mm. think those are his best verses. 
that song has sat with me since I first heard it. And I think, yeah, that's his defining statement. Um, it's an amazing song. Amazing but song. yeah, I feel like in terms of his earlier stuff, like when he started out, I think he was really trying to impress in the way like he was putting more and more rapping. And like the longer his career went, the less he felt like he needed to rap. Interesting. Well, I was going to say that a song like that, like, is well, first of all, I think Apple Pie is, I'm glad you love it because I, I love that song. That's oh, a well, great, the way the, the intro track, comes really in. really good. Um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of a detriment to the deluxe version, which I don't think the deluxe songs are bad, but I think it ends really well on Apple Pie. Do you guys, I, I mean, I love, uh, I mean, I, I, was, I love, I love every song here except for Flying High, which I still think is a, is a pretty, Pretty it's solid track. It's not, a weird. Like, it's weird. It's yeah. weird that it's Toro y Moi because I love everything he's done, and it sounds like him, but not like him at the same time. Like, yeah, I yeah he doesn't sound. Him. He doesn't sound good on it, and I think that Travis sounds better than him on it, which is weird. Yeah, it's bizarre, man. Like, I don't know. Like, the fact that Toro y Moi got paid on a good music album is cool, but the fact that he's clearly the worst song on here is not. Like, it's just kind of depressing. I don't know. I feel. Like, I think. I, I like the that. synthesizer solo in that song, at least. I think yeah, I think that was probably Chad. That was probably him doing that because he plays the synth on all his albums. So that was probably mm-hmm. like him contributing that. So. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think there's... a song like I think at its best, what this album does better than a lot of albums that came out around this time is really. Just this like hazy, druggy, psychedelic sound. It's not this just deeply nocturnal sound. Like a song like Impossible, I can only listen to that at night. Like, and it's so good. But it's so like it's such it's so tailor-made for a specific like mood. And I'm not even, you know, I'm not even like a huge like, especially at this time. I wasn't like going to house parties or fucking like, you know, like dropping acid or whatever. But like, uh, I think a song like Impossible or like Maria, I'm Drunk or Wasted, even like 90210 like, or All My Disside, those songs are so, you can hear them and it's just like, you know what, R.O.A.M. has that descriptor where it's just like drugs? Like that's what it sounds like, <laughs> you know? And it's just, I think when it's operating at its best, it's just like still fucking unreal stuff. Like this album is a personal album for me because it like has meant a lot to me over the years and like there was a period of my life where like it really really meant a lot but like at the same time even though i might like other rap music more than travis now and even though i still really like travis like i like plenty of other rap music more than him now but like this album will always be like special to me which i'm glad that it's like that for some other people on the site too i know christian it's like that for you i believe yeah, it's I'm look, I'm not gonna lie, man. Like it's at this point. Okay, so let me let me tell you when I became like a convert to rodeo. Because when it first came out, since day one I liked thirty five hundred and Nightcrawler, like since the first second I heard them both. I just thought they were amazing songs. The rest mm-hmm. of the album took a lot of time to grow on me. I thought initially it was kind of a little disappointing. Like I I I thought it was decent, but I didn't think it was that good. And then I saw it, on both R.I.M. and other sites as well, just the general consensus around the album, one or two years later, especially after Birds dropped, uh, was that it was really underrated and it was a dope album. And I was like, all right, let me let me listen to this. So me and a buddy of mine, we were like, I was like a junior in college at the time, and we copped an edible, and we went back to my apartment, and I was like, 
really high and we said, you know, there's this album we should check out, man, and it's called Rodeo. And I've and I heard it back in the day and I thought it was okay, but people said to give it a second chance. And then I heard just how he did the sound design on that album and I heard the song Pornography and like the vocal edits that he did and I was like, "Wow, this is honestly fucking amazing." And the more and more I've listened to it, it's now like this is the point I'm trying to get to here. It's a top 10 album of all time for me. That might be sacrilege to some people. That might be fucking heinous to hear out of my mouth, but I will own it, damn it, because I have just never heard an album that whose production in hip hop, whose production is as big budget and captivating as Rodeo, except for like Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. It's just the most grandiose, over-the-top album ever. <laughs> I would say that it's, it's yeah. not sacrilege to me. I can completely understand where you're coming from, even if I disagree with it, because when I listened to it again, I smoked before I listened to it, and I appreciated the one thing that I did not appreciate when I first listened to it, because I came into it with a negative mindset uh, also, was the vocal production was, even though I don't like really care about what he's saying, it sounds so good that he's saying it. And the glitches, the drops, the way he places everything he's saying, everything is, he says is placed with a purpose. And the way he, it sounds is so fucking good. And even pornography, like that really turned me off when I first heard it. Because it reminded me of, again, to go back to Cuddy, Man on the Moon, uh, The End of the Day, the first Cuddy album, which I also hated that when I first heard it, too, because I'm like, this pretentious-ass shit, man. This fucking common narration. This fucking, like, what the fuck is this dude on about? And I still Mm. don't actually really like that Cuddy album, either. But it was like, he's doing the same thing, and he's doing it possibly even better. Like, I see what Kanye sees in him as an artist, in terms of what he's doing, sound-wise. Yeah, no, I think I think Travis Scott too. Like, but I feel like that's why his rapping bores me though. Like when he raps, like he might be a better rapper than Cuddy, and possibly a better rapper than Kanye. I don't know. I don't think so because I think Kanye has a lot of personality as a rapper. Maybe not anymore. I think Kanye has actually lost his rapping ability, which is sad. But uh, that's a whole other discussion. Um, but yeah, like in terms of like. Cuddy versus Travis as a vocalist. Like, yeah, Travis is probably a better rapper, but like what I want to hear them both doing in terms of vocals, I think I can see why. I don't know. And it felt at first like Kanye was trying to make a replacement Cuddy. Because at the time this came out, I think there was like both like, you know, one mentally ill person flipping out at another mentally ill person. Yeah. Like, I think Cuddy did some dumb shit and Kanye yelled at him. But and then Cuddy put out Speeding Bullet, which, by the way, how do you feel about Speeding Bullet? I don't know if I read your review, uh, Christian. Me? Yeah. So initially when it came out, I genuinely didn't like it. And I also hopped onto the bandwagon of, oh, let's shit on the new Kid Cuddy album. And as time's gone on, I still don't love it, but I definitely dislike it a lot less than I initially disliked it. And I think it's it's a decent it's like a. I wouldn't even call it a decent album. It's kind of like mid at best, but it's not nearly as bad. Like, does it deserve, like, we all know, yeah, I hate to dog it, but, like, we all know that, like, the, the big thing behind that album was that it got a zero out of ten from yeah, the yeah. And yeah, is it guy, a yeah. zero out of ten album? Fuck no, it's not a zero out of ten album. No, is it like a 
four or five out of ten. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It's not that good. I'm not going to lie here. But it's way, way better than the ire that it that it caught when it first came out. Like, it, it's just, like, I don't know what the hell the hate was for that album in the beginning. And I don't know why it was on it. But it's definitely overhated, even if it's not that good. I'm about to go change my rating for that because I still have it at 0.5. And it is not a 0.5 out. I'm going to change my rating on it, too. I mean, I'm probably not going to take it anywhere above a 2, but or a th- I'm sorry, a 4. But, like, it's almost admirably audacious. Like, and I don't know if the audacity is trolling, but I think it's actually sincere audacity. I don't think it was just, like, I'm going to piss people off by doing something intentionally bad or intentionally abrasive. I think he felt the way he felt when he made that. I think there's something sincere about that. It might be sincerely terrible, but I think he sincerely felt he was making like a grunge statement or a punk statement. Yeah, and I don't think it's nearly the misfire. I mean, maybe because, like, when when I think about artists with misfires, I think the the the, the glowing light in my head with that is it's a toss up between Supermarket by Logic and Revival by Eminem. <laughs> And I feel like, I feel like... Why'd you go there? Why'd you go there? The Get idea that... Get Swifty. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you went there. I'm no, glad. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> the idea that I'm going to, like, hate Speed and Bullet to Heaven nearly as much as I'm going to hate Revival is nuts. I, like, Revival is truthfully, possibly... The worst. Okay. Well, what's interesting before. about that comparison yeah. to me is that Speeding Bullet to Heaven espouses views that I cannot agree with. Like, it's outwardly hateful to women. Oh, yeah. Revival yeah. is like, espouses views I should agree with. But I hate it. I hate everything about it. Like, front to back, it's just fucking repulsive to me. But, like, I should agree with what he's saying on some level about some of this shit, right? Yeah, I mean, but some, the, the... Some of it, you just get classic Eminem hatred too. Like he's not like. It's oh no! Just... Eventually, he just like is like yeah, but these bitches, right? You know, seriously, Trump's bad, but these bitches—they're just as bad, right? You know. Yeah, right? it's pretty. It's pretty brutal. <laughs> he was talking, he was talking about at one point. Uh, hold on, is that my? I'm, I'm sitting on my porch. I just don't want to say this too loud with my neighbor walking by because the sentence is going to be quite a sentence. He was talking about. <laughs> He was talking about scooping a vagina yeah, yep, out yep. in the oh, thong forks, that, like literally taking it and like ripping it out of a woman's body. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, even if this is a horrorcore attempt, this is just like, this is weird, dude. And then the flow sounded like just this arthritic mess. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck am I listening to right now? It's like, yeah, the thing is, like, he tries this whole thing with, like, if I try really, really hard to be really, really technical, it must be impressive, right? 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 And, yeah. And right? the thing is, like, I'll give it to him. It's it's impressive. Like, it's impressive that he can make certain things rhyme. But, like, dropping a nuke, right? Like, a, a nuke is impressive. Like, it's impressive that you were able to make a nuclear bomb. That's that's a really insane technology. It's also awful. Like, it's a terrible yeah, thing. Yeah, people still died. Like, fuck it's, still it is died. an absolutely, like, it, it, there's nothing to commemorate that for. Now, obviously, I'm not equating revival to the nuke, right? <laughs> that, that's quite a reach. But I will say that, like, <laughs> you know, 
Em, I don't care if you can rhyme the whole fucking verse. If your flow sucks and the beat's trash and the lyrics mean nothing, what does it matter? Like, And that's what he's been doing. Uh, I, this is the point I wanted to get on before. What do we feel about Eminem's legacy as far as him being considered top five or top ten? Because I have very strong opinions about this. Okay. I feel like he's... I think Eminem inspired some of the worst trends and a, a takery in, in hip-hop that of the last 20 years. Like, the takes about Eminem's music are worse than even his worst music, and that says a lot to me. And, yeah. Okay, I feel like he has definitely influenced so many bad habits in rappers, and this sort of mindset in terms of both audience and artist in terms of what's good rap versus bad rap. Like, without Eminem making a revival or a kamikaze, which is a better album, but still not an admirable album, you don't have a death to mumble rap with these dipshits on the cover with their fucking hoodies on, pointing finger guns, saying, death to mumble rap, take that, Playboy Cardi. Whole lot right. of red, whole lot of red in your head, because I just spit 56 bars at you, what? But, like, <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm gonna be honest. I yeah, feel like yeah, like no. But on the other hand, on the other hand, his like good shit does speak for itself. But when does it stop speaking for itself? Like when does his art eventually like run out? Like at that's what point been, is that, there no more good Eminem music? That's been my that's been my take. Is like even the the two Eminem albums that I, I will that I acknowledge as good and and would probably still think are good if I listened to today. When am I ever going to listen to them ever? Never. For the rest of my life, probably never. And that's not even a, like, I get it if someone that also got into rap music, but I didn't get into rap through Eminem, so I don't have, like, the personal connection that some others might to him. Uh, I heard his songs everywhere when I was young, of course. And I liked, I even liked some of them. But, like, it wasn't, I didn't have the, like... He doesn't define the genre for you. Whereas Kanye, I feel like he does for a lot of Kanye was fifth was five million times more important to me than Eminem growing up and still is. And that's kind of where I came in with. I mean, Kanye wasn't my interest in rap. Honestly, 50 Cent was. But Kanye like has just Which been is so you know, funny to me. Get Richard Die Get Richard Die Trying. I heard it when I was like, I mean, I didn't hear the album, but I heard the singles when I was like seven or eight. And I was like, and I was like what is this? And that was that was that was hip hop. And then I heard like Soldier Boy. And that was, you know what I mean? And like, you know, Wayne at the time and stuff like that. That was how I got into hip hop. So I, I say the this all the time. The evolution of you getting from 50 Cent to Drain Gang is a story in itself. Is a, a story in itself. That's it really quite is. the arc. Now it's like, now it's like you listen to like, uh, like <laughs> the music I listen to now are very different from, from Get Rich or Die Try. <laughs> I, I just recently got into Drain Gang too. They're really dope. I'm not going to lie. Like it took a while for me to get into it, but Blade, he's really good. I, I do. I, I have seen your ratings over, over the last, uh, six months or so kind of evolve in when it comes to that but you liked you liked lean though before like previously yeah and i and i knew about some of the guys that like hung out or like collaborated with the like like i knew about goth money back when i was in high school like and yeah, i know they're not the same thing but they've worked together on a lot of stuff uh, it, it's a circle it's it's a it's a circle yeah. it's all the, it's so all the I, I liked a lot of the stuff that was in the orbit of drain gang 
even Young Lean, I was I was pretty cool on later on, but it, it took it took till like really I heard when I heard Remote Utopias was when mm. I started to click like maybe I got to revisit this guy's work, and then I did, and I was like, wow, wow, this is fucking sick. Like, well, I said this I said this on our RCB pod. Shameless plug, if you should listen to it. But I uh, said that um you kind of hit like a saturation point with it because I heard Blade when Red Light came out, and I was like, oh, this is good. But I never really like had the desire to like. I, I revisited some songs, but I didn't revisit the whole album. And then I heard ever since like the year after. I don't know why I didn't listen to all his discog at this point, but I just hadn't. And I was like, oh, this is great. But then for whatever reason, I didn't listen to like Ice Dancer and stuff. I think Ice Dancer had just came out when I heard ever since, but I didn't listen to like that or Glue or what have you. So I only came back to those mixtapes like early this year, and I was just like, holy shit, I was sleeping on this this collective yeah because by that time rym like the hype wagon had started to round and now it's like in full force but yeah like it was i kind of like i think i sort of took an l in that i was like kind of not really ahead of the way but i was like you know in line with it and then i just didn't listen to the rest of blade's discography for whatever reason or listen to like echo until last year so it just you know but it's it, it's it's all it's a it's an obsession point once you like really fall down the hole to me. <laughs> no, definitely. But back to like real quick, we're we're, we're going to vacillate between two extremes of prolific white rappers: the clearly superior yeah. Blade and the clearly inferior Eminem. I yeah. have a lot of <clears throat> the the Chad Blade and <laughs> Eminem. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. Like, can we can we make a meme and put it as the screen cap right now in the chat? Yeah, uh, Wyatt, Chad that's played on you. That's the on you, Wyatt. <laughs> Like, so M M is as is no M is worse than he is good. Like he is he is more bad than he is good in mm-hmm. in hip- at this point. Yes, at this point. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like. It took a while for him to get there because I personally I consider like Encore is a bad album in my opinion. Revival yeah. is an yeah. absolutely awful album. So is Kamikaze and so is Music to be Murdered by. At this point, he has four albums that I would call bad. And then there's like four the that Marshall I Marshall LP too is a bad album too, by the way. Don't let anyone fool you on that one. I thought it was okay. I thought no, it had man, that shit's like just an overload of like fan service that you think is okay, dude. Listen to the Kendrick track on that with the Rick Rubin fucking like mer- like love game say. Oh my god, like oh, Rick Rubin is terrible. Me. Fucking Rick kill is me. There's so many bad Rick Rubin beats on that. Like fucking kill me. Uh. <laughs> there are there are lots of bad Rick Rubin beats on that. I agree with there that. There are a lot of bad Rick. He also had. I don't even want to get into that album, dude. I listened to that whole thing. While I was drinking Colt 45's answer to uh, Four Loco on my porch. That's that, is, that is a hell of a combination right I there. I was trying to get into the spirit of what Eminem would want me to do if he was allegedly going back to his roots. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. This is like and I had a terrible after, headache like, at the end. The and I don't know if it was the alcohol or the music. It was probably both. But uh, It's definitely headache-inducing uh, combination. I mean, I feel like the first song on that, like, what is it, Bad Guy or whatever, that's a decent song. That's a solid no, it's not. I like <laughs> it. 
I I have admittedly I have I, I do. I not think he has some line like, "If I can be frank, you could swim in the ocean. Hope you swim good." I mean, that's just. Can we can we play uh, the 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 sad trombone over that? <laughs> but yeah, I I can't. I I'm sorry, but like anybody putting M in the top ten or top five at this point, I find that that's just a delusional argument. Like. There's nothing about him that is top 10 anymore. We cannot coast. I'm not like a big sports guy, unlike the other dude who runs this podcast, but (laughs) I feel like Eminem being like your favorite rapper is like Brett Favre's my favorite football player, unlike uh, fucking uh, um, like any, you know, black player or something. Yeah. Because I got to have a white quarterback. Because a white guy has like, or Pistol Pete Maravich is my favorite fucking basketball player. Uh, all all respect to Pistol Pete, by the way, you know. But still, like, true. true. It, it's like no, no. It's like um, it's like I was gonna say it's like um, who's the fucking law? It's like you, you like an off-brand version of like John Stockton as your favorite basketball player. Like he's not as he's not nearly you as like good Eric as John. Snow. You like Eric Snow. <laughs> You like um who's the who was that guy that had the tattoos and oh like Chris Anderson like the Birdman they used to <laughs> he had like the, the spiky hair and the tattoos he played on like those LeBron Heat teams back in the day the he thing was, like, is the, he was like the enforcer on the team Matt Geiger from the Sixers oh my god yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing is too though like if if you're like if you're really, really, really yeah, you need to for get some a Matt Geiger picture up for this, by the way, um, that's on you, KP, to get a Matt Geiger picture up for this. Um. Yeah, we we need the, we need the the virgin the virgin Eminem versus the Chad Blade, and we need the Matt uh-huh. Geiger. But, what was I saying? Like, can't have Eminem top ten. No, yeah, and the no, thing is, absolutely not. If yeah, you're in your top ten, you can't listen to the podcast. You're on the you're on the long, long list of people you can't listen to the podcast. And the thing is, too, it's like if you're really fiending to have like a white rapper as your favorite rapper for whatever reason that may be, like, because that seems to be the only defense that a lot of his stands bring out nowadays is like, oh, but you're only if he was black, you wouldn't say that. Like, whatever, dude. Like, if that's really I mean, first what you of all, mean, the fact that that's the argument you go back to was a telling thing yeah, yeah. speaks and, speaks a lot <laughs> and the thing is like there's there's also way better white rappers than eminem like way better like yeah. well now list some of them john wayne is a better rapper than eminem your old I, drew who will soon hate a podcast we make about him even though i want to be very complimentary is a better rapper than eminem um Oh, well, I mean, logic is a bet. No, no, he's not. No, he's, no. Not. <laughs> he's biracial. True, true. I mean, I was gonna say. I mean, you know, they're. I mean, all I want, all I want, like right now, is way better. Yeah, yeah. L, in terms of like, yeah, especially if you want to, if you even want to just stick to the technical stuff, like LP, way better. Also, I mean, we were joking about it, but like, legitimately, Blade, I mean, a million times better. Just like. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. And I don't even mean in just like the, in just the like just for the, I'm not doing it just for like the memes. Like I literally very much so way better. Um, and like knows how to like, you know, uh, write a song. Very exactly. Important. 
So there's there's lots of there's lots of white rappers that are that are better than than Eminem. Beastie Boys probably like genuinely somebody you can make a credible argument that Beastie Boys are the greatest hip hop group of all time. I don't feel that way, but a lot of people feel that way, and it's a genuine sentiment that they feel that way. It's not like I, I do I do think those people are are forty plus, and I respect those people. The Beastie Boys are really good. I'm not hating on Be- I'm not hating. I'm not hating. But I'm just I BC Boys are great. Paul's Boutique, great. I'm not not shitting on them. I'm just saying, best group of all time. I don't, I don't know about all that. They're not my they're not my best group of all time. But I remember Merz. He had a video saying why he thought they were the greatest, and he made some good points, even if I don't agree. But the point mm-hmm. being is, like, other than literally like commercial success at this point, there's nothing you can really attribute to Eminem that's like clearly putting him into that top 10 conversation because any skill he had he's basically negated the argument and defense for it by being absolutely terrible in, in the last 10 years with the only saving grace he has being his ability to rhyme words that's literally the only thing that he does oh, that's it doing it's, the bare minimum <laughs> not even the, the thing is he does it in a way where it's like he does it in a way that's terrible but he does it in a way where his fans are like he's doing it so well you must not like it because you don't like rap. You just must like mumble rap or auto-tune rap. Or right. It's just like so pat- patrician or just like, god damn. There's just like, and there's also, I don't know, there's a weird, I don't want to say racial politic to it, but obviously given who he is and his fan base, there is. But also like this purest quality to it where it's like, do you not enjoy music? Yeah. Like, do you not yeah. enjoy a hook? When was the last good Eminem hook? He didn't even have good hooks when he made good music. Yeah. Right. That was typically the weakest part. That's the thing. It's like, I just, like, the stands, too. Like, I I kind of feel bad for Eminem in a way because M, like, he's definitely, like, a very passionate person about hip-hop. He's definitely not, like, he, he might have made some shitty music and has had his image co-opted to, like, be, like, you know, Fisher Price's first rapper for like suburban kids. Mm-hmm. But he, um, I think he's genuinely very passionate about hip hop. I think he paid his dues coming up in the game. And it sucks that he's sort of been like, it's sad to say because as much of a student of the game as he is and as passionate as he was about becoming a credible rapper, he's been kind of pulled out of the hip hop universe as far as his relevance is concerned. And he's more of just like this like wilting pop star. That's just kind of kept up by his like insane stands. Who, whether it's because he's white or because he's relatable or because he's offensive or because he can rhyme well or because he's just popular, they just stick to him like flies on shit, no matter what he does. And I'm like, because he's representative of something. But like, of like, you want that to be you? Like, I'm sorry. Like, who would want that to be them? Like, like I get like people have beef with their moms, but like I, I used to be a huge fan of Eminem. Then he grew off me tremendously. Then he grew on me again. And now he's grown off of me again. Like, like, I guess like you could have a beef with your mom, but like, do you really want to aspire to be the guy or worship the guy who made a song where he is raping his mom? Like, I know it's a joke. I know it's meant to be a larger satire about, look what I can get away with on wax. Like, but like, there's you know, there's a limit, man. Like, you can you can say some transgressive shit without talking about raping your damn mom, like, and that's like, 
I get that he can represent some pissed off Midwestern kid who like plays Xbox too much, but like why 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 would you wear that as like your identity or like your badge of honor? Like, yeah, there are people out there like me. Like, why does that? Why do you want to be that? Or to take it into a more modern light, like to take it into a more call out these fucking incels light, because I'm going to call out these fucking incels. Dude put out an album in 2020 and had a let's take the school shooters or let's take the Vegas shooters perspective. Like, let's both sides it, even though like he's wrong. Let's see where he's coming from. Exactly. And and like I understand that, like. It's objectively important to understand, like, the thought process behind a shooter just so we can try to stop that stuff from happening in the future. But it's not to humanize them. That should just be, like, profiling them to try to, like, reduce the damage. Like, I don't care about the fucking shooter. And right. that, that's Eminem's whole thing is, like, that's why. And, and he had that interview with Sway, right? Sway Calloway about, um... Uh, like, Joyner Lucas's I'm Not Racist, which did the same fucking thing. But dog shit song, by the way. Terrible shit song. song. Terrible song. And I just, I don't know, man. Like, there's a difference between analyzing and humanizing. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. We're seeing it. We've seen it everywhere in in recent years. You know? Just in in punditry. Eminem's intentions might be sincere but his execution is flawed at best and his fan base's interpretation of it is embarrassing embarrassing at the absolute best it's the most naive oh yeah yeah i would say too like kind of to tie this with travis honestly now how can you try it's like peanut butter and like salmon between (laughs) what um, the, the point in terms of like what they're going for musically, even mm-hmm. though I vastly prefer Travis as an artist, but, um, like, I don't think you would see the anti-lyricism push that you see in certain pockets of like, like mainstream hip hop. Not like, and, and I don't want to sound like a cringy old head when I say that. I mean, more along the lines of like the media saying like, oh yeah. Lyricism's outdated, whatever. It's, it's the new gen, it's the new wave. I don't think you would see that being as prominent as it is if Eminem didn't make a complete mockery of what lyrical hip-hop is for the last 16 years. Exactly, like, dude. Okay, I'm going to hijack for a second. Like, Eminem hijacks every song he's on. Like, why is every Eminem feature, he's at the end, and he gets three minutes? Why can't he just do 16? Why can't he just do a 16? Like, he has to, like, he can't be concise. He has to be, like, as lyrical to color outside the lines as much as he wants. He's making a mockery of writing a verse. It's terrible. And the thing is, too, his verse is, like, there's, like, like on that new song he has with Kid Cudi, right? Uh, the one that, it's Which Kid- I actually kind of like, and I said on this podcast, I kind of like, but I understand where you're going with this, and I agree with you. <laughs> it's, like... It's a decent song, and I'll even say that M has a decent verse on there. But, but is it so? Cr- he has some cringy lines, and the way he approaches is a cringy. Exactly, and and the thing is too, the way he sets up for his verse to come in versus what he delivers just doesn't add up. Like the verse by itself, I'd be okay with him ha- having, even if it's like over long, and for some reason it's way louder than Kid Cudi's verse. I can like. 
deal with it. Even Whatever. though, by the way, he's trying to do a Cuddy Stone flow, although he says like eight times, I don't smoke weed. I don't smoke weed. I like, <laughs> I, I, I'm smoking these papers, but I don't smoke trees. Like, oh, get it, dude. We get it. You're sober. We understand. Continue. Yeah, but um, I feel like like the song like, is building up to this point where like the Eminem verse is going to be like, oh, shit, it's the M verse. And it's like, it's another forgettable M feature for like the billionth time. Right. He like, has like these, these double entendres. Okay, we get it. And then you watch the video and it's like he spells it out. For, he literally spells it out for you in the lyric video. Like he's doing them. Okay, we get it. And it was just like rough to see. It's just, I'm like, man, like it was wild. At one point, people really held that guy up against like Tupac and Biggie and whatever. And I, and I personally think like the generic top five conversation. I only think there's one guy in that generic top five of Biggie, J. Nas, Pac, M, and that man is Biggie. I think he's the only one in that top five who I would actually put in my top five. But that's a hot take, I guess. And but now M is like the furthest away from being in league with those guys. Kendrick, in my opinion, if anybody has usurped the throne from Eminem, it is Kendrick fucking Lamar right now as far as lyrical rap. And had Eminem either retired after the Eminem show when he was still like making compelling music, or had he continued to make good music after, I think you still see lyrically inclined hip-hop being the premium in this genre because it would be like how lyrical hip-hop was before Eminem got in where it wasn't such a focus on rapping fast or rhyming all the time it was more about like a narrative and a good song structure and a, and a catchy flow and you put in as many cool bars as you can maybe you do like a couple like a, a one fast line at the end of the verse to kind of sound badass like what Big Pun did at the end of his verse on Twins but like, what M has done, he's just made it like a party trick. Like, oh, look at me, it's the fast rap part. Like, And that's, like, so many people have taken that fucking avenue since he's come up. And it's just embarrassing, man. You wouldn't have, like, this huge rise in people who don't like to rap in a conventional sense had it not been for Eminem butchering lyrical rap, basically, at the highest commercial level in hip-hop history. <laughs> Well, I yeah. guess that's why they call it window pane. Um, <laughs> I will say it, it, your point, very valid, your closing statement there. I would also like to thank Eminem for making that be the case because I think it has produced some great music. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm not anti-mumble rap or melodic rap stuff either. I love it. I yeah. just, it's, it's just a shame that it, 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 it had to come at the expense of of more prominence of lyrically inclined hip hop as well. I think the two can exist in harmony. Well, but, but I feel but like the, the old heads like M who make it a problem. The, the lyrically inclined hip hop that became held up as like, hey, this is bar son, was at least in popular consciousness was not good. So then, oh. like outside of like outside of a, a few, you know what I mean? So it's just like when you're holding up J Cole as like your savant next to Kendrick, like what are we doing? Like in, in popular rap, I mean. Well, no. I feel like Eminem making it corny made it so, like, to go back to somebody we discussed earlier, that means Lupe Fiasco makes mural and people don't take it seriously on a big level. Lupe's mural is, like, maybe one of the, I would say, possibly the most, like, 
incredible lyrical statement for he goes for nine minutes and every line in that song can be I would three be ways. Fine. I would be perfectly fine with someone saying it's in their opinion the best written rap song ever. From a from a songwriting like a technical bar standpoint. I'd be and okay I've with- heard I've I've watched a video of him doing that live. Like he did like a all request show, I guess, and somebody was like, uh, do mural and he said, Oh, that's asking a lot. You're gonna need to pay me for that. Give me two dollars. <laughs> so he made him give him two dollars. Yeah. I guess he gave him the two dollars at the end of the show. He gave it to him back, which is funny. But uh and he does it like it's amazing. And that song and but it's like no one's gonna take that seriously anymore because like you just see it like as Eminem doing a party trick, like you said, like super mm-hmm. lyrical miracle. But he cheapened it. Eminem doing that cheapened it. And the same thing too with like like and I think like heads really peeped this, so like it was different. It, it wasn't so much a song as it was like a freestyle. So if you're into hip hop to begin with, you're probably going to find this. But like Black Thought's 12 minute freestyle was oh, yeah, that, yeah. amazing. Like it wasn't some cringy. Look at how I could. It was amazing. But like yeah, you said, well, Black Thought. Black Thought hasn't aged a day when it comes to rapping. My, he's he's my favorite rapper of all time. Personally, I love Black Thought, and like it sucks because. Like, like, even, like, when you look at Eminem's album, like, his, his most recent one, music, whatever the fuck, like, the only good parts on there were the Royce and Black Thought features. And, like, Black Thought renegated Eminem on his own shit, which is ironic considering Eminem invented the process of renegating, basically. But, uh, it's just, it's rough to see because there's so much well-written hip-hop out there. And I don't think that we should stop listening to guys like Travis or that we should stop listening to guys like Playboy Cardi or Lil Uzi I love those guys they're great because they grow out of another and another older tradition of hip-hop that doesn't get as much sign where they grow they grow out of you know artists like Three Six Mafia and DJ Screw and Two Live Crew and even like we were saying the Beastie Boys Travis had a Beastie Boys sample on Astroworld like they kind of out of that lane of hip-hop like Lil John and I mean, all that everybody talked like you know one of the things that like people talk about oh my favorite rapper's MF Doom my favorite producer's Mad Lib oh my favorite album is Donuts you know what the biggest sample on Donuts is it's a Beastie Boys sample yeah. 100% and, that- and people also like people forget like you remember that like there was some there was some con- not controversy but like some a lot of Griselda fans this year were mad when Westside Gun and, and Benny and all were like, oh yeah, like Lil Baby, like we love Lil Baby. Like he's one like, and they were like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Like, you know, whatever. Mad online, being very mad online. But it's yeah, just they like, were really mad online about fucking Tyler's verse on Pray for Paris. Well, they were mad online because Tyler said that he had something about like, he said something about like he was, Tyler was being comfortable with his sexuality. And so they were mad online. I mean, that's a whole other discussion yeah. that we're not even going to open up. But, yeah. you know, but if anyhow, you about sexuality in 2020, go fuck yourself. Don't listen to this podcast. I mean, a- anyhow, oh. they were, like, mad because they were like, oh, you like, like, you know, I don't know, Young Thug or Gunna? Like, you must hate rap. Like, that was, there was a lot of Griselda fans like, how can these guys who bring the bars like this? And they were like, oh, it's, 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 it's pretty good. It's good. <laughs> and it's just like, and their the answer is- to this like Westside Gun was like, how can you not call that hip hop? Like, do you know hip hop? Like, it's just it was funny to me that like that's and the like a lot of your some... a lot of your right. favorite rappers probably fuck with some Travis Scott songs. Like, you know what I mean? That's, right. That's, yeah. 
and and the, and you can look back at older styles of hip hop and see like they weren't maybe as popular or as coveted as you know some of the more typical staples of rap are concerned. Mm-hmm. But you know, you look back twenty to thirty years, there's a clear lineage of artists that have led up to the existence of people like Travis or Chief Keef or Future or Young Thug or Cardi, etc. Like you can look back plain as day to like. Nathan's ain't barring that by Three Six Mafia, and be yeah. like that—the blueprint. That is right there, the blueprint of like Playboy Cardi, basically. That shit right there. The high pitched, the, they pitched up the voice, so it's kind of like a proto baby voice sort of thing going on. The beat sounds like it was crafted in heaven. Like, yeah. that's it's like you can look back at at all these different eras. You can look for like Travis. Like you look at Coopsta from Three Six. Like with his whole melodic, ghostly rapping, and what Travis is doing. Right, that Coopsta album is so fucking good, and everyone should listen to that fucking Coopsta album. It is for sure. And um, I will say that to kind of bridge the discussion, that the album, like where I started to realize that I actually might like Travis Scott for the same reasons that I thought I disliked Travis Scott was where at first I thought he was just like a biter that he was just kind of taking people's like influences and ripping them off. I actually realized he was synthesizing people's influences and making them his own was on birds in the trap sing McKnight. And I didn't realize that from the retail album. I realized that from the slim case slowdown version of that album. But I think if I re-listened, I didn't get a chance to for the podcast I've really listened to the Slim K album, Slim K version of this album a lot. Uh, but I think that it is a honestly though, having listened to Rodeo, I think it's probably not as good as Rodeo because I really like Rodeo a lot more <laughs> after listening to it again for the podcast. Um, so yeah, as everybody predicted, I like Rodeo a lot more. It is not a two out of ten. I think so. the cool I think the cool thing with Rodeo too, it's like like and you were saying like he he's a, he's a, amazing at, at synthesizing his influences so that yeah does travis himself have a super i mean nowadays he does but at one point was he like a clearly defined artist was he a clearly defined aesthetic and sound i i'd agree maybe not really but who was taking the disparate ideas that he'd have between like his a a love for kid cuddy and kanye and ugk and three six mafia and daft punk and like late '90s trance, all stuff that he's referenced. And in also, his- clearly, artists have taken from this too. Like I'm looking, I was listening to Rodeo, and I was like, "Holy shit!" ASAP Rocky, who has never had an original idea, definitely didn't when he made his last two albums that stole the fuck out of a lot of this. Oh, especially I'm- at long last, ASAP stole the fuck out of a bunch. Like I thought at long last, ASAP was just stealing from uh, who the fuck did I? I mean, like he stole. God damn. ASAP Rocky has no original ideas. <laughs> you want to talk about a fluke? Was ASAP Rocky? He came in with precisely one amazing tape, which was made on the backs of Clams Casino, Tie Beats, and Space, Space Ghost Perp. Space Ghost Perp. And True. then he just kind of became mediocre after that. Like he has like two decent albums after that, but they're nothing compared to what he came out no, the gate. A hundred percent. And at this point, I, I don't even know what the, the whole mob. I mean, with, between like oh, the unfortunate passing of Yams and then the unfortunate existence of ASAP Bari or Barry, how the fuck you say that? 
Asapori. They just like plummeted, and I was like, Jesus. Asap rapist, where the fuck he is? Who cares? (laughs) Uh, Shout out to Asap Josh, wherever you are. I hope you're still getting royalties. Shout Um, out to Asap Josh. It's just funny though. Asap Mob was like, "Yeah, we're gonna kick Ferg out." I mean, like, oh, you mean like the only interesting one left, sort of? And he's—I wouldn't even say his music is like that good anymore. But at least he has like he—he has like an identity now. Because Rocky doesn't give a shit about music anymore, and that's fine. Like he can do his like little fashion stuff and whatever. Like I mean, he's he's ASAP Rocky is the name. But I mean, like, say what you will about Ferg, ASAP Ferg's ripping people off, but at least it's an ethos. Like Ferg, like Ferg, kind of like Ferg still gives a shit. I don't know if his music is good. It was not bad on the Nas album. Like I thought he was pretty good on that bonus track. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's like, like I said, Ferg, like not uh, not detour about the Nas album. Detour about the Nas album because I listened to it at work and I actually think that two thirds of it are pretty decent. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good, and I I think that like like look, do I think that some of Nas's hardcore fans are a little ridiculous with how much praise they give the guy? Sure. Do I think that Nas's haters, on the other hand, you know, the idea that Nas has one good album and the rest are trash is nuts. That's just literally insanity. Like. Oh, no. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I think that both, like, I mean, not both. Like, seriously, it was written disproves that. But then you have Life is Good, The Lost Tape, Stillmatic. Like, anybody who's actually followed his career can disprove that statement pretty easily. Like, yes, you can also point to whack Nas shit just as easily as you can point to whack J shit. Like, you can way more easily point to whack M shit. Like, point to your favorite rapper. Like, unless they're Billy Woods or somebody actually great like you know underground who doesn't put out bad shit who's also not rich or successful like right you you know yeah as far yeah, as like artists... Nas is a very deeply flawed human being who has been a successful major label artist for his entire life who has like we know Nas at this point like if you're mad that Nas put out like a third of his album devoted to shitty songs about his views on women that are shitty you don't know Nas yeah, you. How, is this your first? The beats were good this time. The beats were good throughout. Yeah. So, like this, that's an improvement. Like, and one hundred percent, like I wouldn't, I will never make an excuse for his behavior or his rhetoric. Like, I'm not even defending the person. I'm just saying, if we're gonna talk about guys with bars, like, look, you can think not, you can think Nas sucks, and I'm fine with that. As far as him being a human, I would agree too. Like, Nas is not a good guy, but. Like, if we're going to have this bars discussion, if we're going to have, like, oh, does Nas have good music? I mean, let's, 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 you know, let's not use revisionist history real quick. You can think the guy is a piece of shit, but he has some fucking classics. And I think King's Disease kind of lets people know, like, hey, I don't know what you were thinking, but, like, <laughs> Nas really still knows what he's doing at the end of the oh, day. No. Like, on a very technical level, and not in that showy Eminem, like, you know, Yangui, I don't know how you pronounce the dude's name, Momsteam way, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about, like, Guitar Center rap, I like to use this term, mm-hmm. where yeah. it's like, I'm gonna go to Guitar Center and play you, like, a fucking, like, finger-picking guitar solo. Like, that's Eminem rap. Nas can still rap in that natural sort of way, like, I'm gonna sit down and kick a verse, like, it might be something that I wrote, but it'll still feel like it's off the top of my head and still feel like the best shit you ever heard. He can still do that. And on that album, there are still verses that feel that way. And there's still awkward shit. But again, that's Nas. That's Nas making an album. Yeah. And 
I feel like his ear for beats has gotten better with time, which is admirable. Um, I don't know. Like, I didn't think I would come back to it after my first listen because that middle third does get pretty rough. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the first single actually has kind of aged well. Ultra Black. Um, like, I didn't... Like, I thought, I thought it was fine at first. I thought it was sufficient. Like, where it was like, I really like the beat and I think he's kind of rambly over it. But there are no bad bars on it. His flow is great. The message is good. There are some clever lines on it. The Doja Clat... The Doja Clat... Doja Cat line actually works on several levels. People are just like, I mean, um, I was listening to the Call Out Culture podcast, uh, the Zillaraka one, where they were talking about how like there was a Pitchfork review that was really shitty, where it's like, oh, that was like an uncat, like a un, um, justified shot at Doja Cat, where it's like, no, it's not. She was caught in a uh, white supremacist Discord. Right. Yeah. In, um, in the with my but favorite, if you listen to the line though, just to let me explain my point real quick. Sorry to cut you off. Oh no, you're uh, good, you're where good. it's like, okay, so it's like unapologetically black. It's the opposite of Doja Cat. She's light-skinned, the opposite, she, unapologetically black, so they are on a surface level, literally surface level. She was in a white supremacist discord, so unapologetically black. He's not apologizing for it. So that's the double meaning right there. And I don't know. I just, like, kind of caught that today where I was like, no. Like, after hearing the interview, it's like, no, that's not just, like, an, a, a swipe at somebody who didn't deserve it. That was actually, like... That was not just Nas hating a black chick for being a black chick. That was like actually a motivated line with purpose. That was also clever. Yeah. Man credit for being a good rapper. I agree. This makes me think of the, that this is totally unrelated, but one of my favorite uh, memes of the year, been dropping a lot of memes in this podcast. One of my favorite memes of the year is the, the video of TJX six in the Kenny beats, like uh, the cave, like studio. And I, I, if you, if you've been on Twitter, you've probably seen this where it's like, He's yelling into the mic, but it's like a freeze caption of it. And the lyric is like, she in the alt-right chat room showing feet. And it's honestly, <laughs> it's honestly an incredible, because if you know how TJX6 raps, it's in this, I can't even describe how he does it. it it's so Detroit, but it just in the way how he, how he does it, it's like, I, it, it, like everything is, everything is very, picture. everything is very matter of fact. So when he was like, she in the alt-right chat room showing feet. And you're like, yes, yes, she is. <laughs> uh-huh. no, I, I have I, no I, idea who you're talking about, but I pictured the little B uh, Tails meme of uh, <laughs> him showing feet and that saying, let's one. be fair to everybody. Kristen, I don't know if you've heard much TJX6 music, but I think you were saying you kind of know what you're getting at. TJX6, he's awesome. Yeah, he's great. He he's he's the Patrick. He's the I don't know if you're, he's like he did he, did, he can't, got famous on like doing like like scam rap quote unquote. Yeah. And he raps about scamming people a lot. Um, so that so might he's have been like uh, the OnlyFans rap official rapper at OnlyFans or some shit. I don't know. What that is. Well, he awesome. would he would uh, he would hack the people that pay for OnlyFans. Good. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that <laughs> people are getting scammed. <laughs> I think what's awesome about TJX62 is that his actual government name is TJ Wilson, like T-E-E-J-A-Y, uh, Witherspoon, rather. He, he very much doesn't give a fuck. I don't know. I, I, I believe, like, 99% of the things he says just because he tells it with such conviction. Um, I hope that he's just not snitching on himself constantly. But I, 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 uh, his Instagram, he... <laughs> He goes off. He like promotes like the fraud bibles and shit. I don't know anything about that <laughs> stuff. Like, I know I looked into it because I listened to his music honestly, and I'm like, whoa, dude! Like, 
Maybe not on Instagram, man. Maybe you should like kind of not. But I mean, hey, I'm man, just Joe. God bless. Give up the game. He is he is giving up the game. He is he's got detailed songs about what to do like with someone's credit card and yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. But yeah, Doja Cat and the alt right chat. Your credit card is going by Birds in the Trap, Sing McKnight by Travis Scott, which is an album we were supposed to talk about an hour ago. An hour ago. (laughs) What do you? What I will say the uh, the Andre feature on the opening track, great great feature. Oh man. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. When it comes to birds, like, so I, I get why he made it. I get that Rodeo didn't meet commercial expectations. I get that he needed to, and it did. It ended up meeting them later on, but it was a very latent success. And it was mm-hmm. mostly a success due to how well Birds did. Um, birds was actually supposed to be a mixtape, but he ended up making it an album because the label thought it was good enough to put out as an album. And interesting, interesting, because it feels like it was crafted as a deliberate album. Yeah, and I think that's kind of that's a testament, in my opinion, to Travis as an artist at his best moments, because I feel like he's just very good at like, you know, he has that line who put this shit together on the glue on sicko mode. I feel like that's kind of like his biggest strength is him being able to organize a project and organize a song and craft Mm. craft you know, craft music, even if even if him performing it isn't necessarily the star of the show, it's his Although, craft. Now that I think about it, now looking at it, first of all, the um, Slim K version is differently tracked, so that's a testament to Slim K, like, you know, switching things up and okay. making things more organic in the way he tracks them. And yeah, it's a lot of collaborations that were essentially feel like singles that were meant to get play because of who he was working with, or just because they felt like they would resonate mm-hmm. half and half, I guess. Although, I don't remember the Bryson Tiller like, track. The Bryson Tiller track is, is, the Bryson Tiller track is, is good. It's one of the few times I really enjoy Bryson Tiller. Yeah, I know he shows up a lot. I'm just trying to think of, like, who the fuck is he? Like, I know he's showing up for a bunch of features. He's a, um, he's a, uh, he's a Drake and Weekend like hybrid. Oh, cult, he's, an OVO guy. he's an OVO guy. Well, he's not an OVO guy, but he, if you listen to any of his stuff, it's so indebted to. I, I, I hear that. He sounds like that track sounds like a 40, like almost like a 40 beat or something. Yep. yep. Uh, it's, uh, but yeah, like my favorite shit beat. on here is, uh, definitely obviously Andre, but for the intro is amazing. The Cuddy song sounds like a good Cuddy song. It sounds like Man on the Moon, too. I really like that. Goosebumps was the reason I got excited for the album, where I was like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't even know if it was going to be a Kendrick single or his. Like, I didn't know he had an album coming out when that came out. I was like, oh, this is good. Like, uh, it was the first time. That and then Pick Up the Phone, like, two singles where I'm like, is this Travis's single? Like, or is this a feature with him? Like, either way, Uh it felt like he was splitting a song with somebody and was really good. And I guess that's generally the story of the album. It, it feels like the good shit, it's either half stuff I don't remember or half stuff where it feels like they're good songs that aren't his songs. And then yeah. the version of this album I like is something somebody else took and made it into not even his album. It's a Slim K album. It's in the same way Screws albums are Screws albums. So, yeah, I can't really consider the version of this I like a Travis project that I like. But there are about half of this is comprised of very good songs. But it's the definition of a singles project. Yeah. Christian, what do you what do you think of uh, the SDP interlude? Because I think that's it's kind of become like another like 
cliche among Travis fans was like, this is the underrated one. But I think that interlude is better than uh, like most of the songs on yeah, the, on the I album. I completely agree. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's, I have to realize it because I don't remember it off top. It's, it's oh, very like hazy, yeah, psychedelic. It has like that drugs you should try it feel. A little different, but it has that feel. It's kind of like that, but it's as repetitive as like, like one of those like looped three six songs where they're just saying the same thing over and over again. It's, it's literally that that, like, just saying smoke one smoke what uh, something like that. Smoke some drink some. It's pop got that DJ smoke. Paul looping a juicy J beating a phrase into your head type feel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Except in, except instead of it being like the hardest shit ever, it's like a a long drive at yeah, night. It's super yeah, it's and chill. Yeah. But uh. Yeah. I thought it was a. I thought it was an overhated album when it came out. I also don't think it's that good of an album, but I don't think it's bad. I'd give it like a seven or an eight. I enjoyed it. I thought the first half, up until like literally the, the first half, like the ends to "Sweet Sweet" doesn't miss in my opinion. "Sweet Sweet" also an awesome song. Amazing song, and then. After that, you do have Goosebumps, you do have Pick Up the Phone, you do have Wonderful, but you also have Outside. I wasn't a big fan of First Take, to be honest, and Guidance was just the most, like, depraved, dance hall riding, I, I'm trying to, yeah, you know... Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird song. It doesn't make that sense. That song ever. did not, that song took me out of the album, like, that was, that gave me a... Like I think I would have given it a five when I first rated it, and I heard that shit, and then what sounded like a weekend. Like again, I was also in that period where it's like every weekend feature sounds like a weekend song to me, where it's just like mm. I don't know. I have a kind of a feeling about people whose features sound like they just didn't even try to fit their host artist. Yeah. Well, weekend's voice is so distinct that he just takes over a lot of stuff, which. Real quick, the weekend's feature on "Pray for Love." What makes it work so well is there's a clear cut between the two verses. Also on "Pray for Love," Travis Scott says in his verse, which one of my favorite Travis Scott lines, um, they they was it they're looking at me, everybody looking at me crazy, got me feeling like a communist. Um, <laughs> that is a that is a real that is a real line. That is a real line that he says. Comrade um, Travis. He also says he also says uh, he says like fuck Fox News and CNN. And I was like, I don't know if this is like some centrist shit or he just doesn't. I mean, whatever. I don't know. It, it's a weird. It's a funny. It's a funny verse. Uh, it really is. But yeah, CNN does fucking suck. But it's not because they're too left. It's because they're too right. No, yeah. I, I, hopefully, Travis was ahead of the wave on the on on that. <laughs> I don't I'm know. Any, anyhow, Travis Scott saying uh, they're looking at me crazy got me feeling communist. On pray for love, great, great line. <laughs> what a random line. Very absurd. Um, but yeah, good, good. I like this album. Good, good. It, it sounds great. It sounds great, except for guidance. But it sounds great. I think that's what we can we can say. Yeah, I feel like the production is definitely not as ambitious as Rodeo, but I also feel like that's an unfair. It's an it's unfair. A very, it's a very 2016 album, but it's it's the it, but. When you to me, I hear when I go back and listen to it now, I hear my freshman year in college, because like I, 2016 was my freshman year, so like at least the first semester, 2017 was the other part. But like, I hear my freshman year and how this album was a fucking everywhere, and b like 
encapsulates a lot of like oh goosebumps was hot when like black beetles was hot and bad and bougie was hot and like those were fun times you know so that's kind of when i hear this album i think of those like times and i think it's a generally good album i and i I feel like it's kind of like when people measure nas against illmatic like why do we and, and i'm not necessarily comparing rodeo to illmatic even though i think they're pretty close in my opinion but that's just me um like the the point I'm making though is just because they're not doing the exact same thing and being as ambitious as they were on project number one doesn't mean that you like it's a bad project. It just means it's different. Maybe it doesn't scratch that itch for you the way that the former did or whatever, but it's good in its own right and it's an enjoyable album. I think it's packed with the shit that I was listening to at parties and stuff back when it came out. And and most of it holds up pretty well four years on, or yeah, over four years on at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought it was a needed album for Travis to to become the superstar that he has now become. I thought that as far as a blatant concession to pop chart dominance, it was one of the way better concessions that I've seen. You know, like when you compare that to 2016, was also when Drake dropped Views. Both both albums are kind of going for the same vibe of let's expand the fan base and just rack up those streams. And mm-hmm. I gonna like views was just nothing off of that has aged well and the album itself is pretty mediocre. Whereas Birds in the Trap Sing Night is a pretty good album and a good portion of it has aged very well. Um, considering how what people felt about that album when it first came out. So I feel like I don't want to see him make a second Birds in the Trap sing McKnight, but I definitely liked the album when it came out, even if it's not one of my favorites or anything. Yeah, I think it's a a dope record. And I I think that part of what has made it age well, to your point, compared to some other stuff from that year, or even before, is the, the propensity for sound design that we've talked about with Travis. You know? Yeah. So that's I, kind of like, that's kind of what, um, to me has like really aged the best about it is like that sound design because he's always gonna. It still feels unique in in its way. Oh, um, even even as a even as it has points that are concessions, um, it still feels unique. I still think, and pick up the phone was probably my favorite song of that year at the time. It's still probably one of them. I have too many fond memories and times with that song to to disassociate myself from it. Not that I would want to in any way. Uh, it's a great, it's a great, great song. Um, but yeah, that Quavo verse, man, that is that's Pete Quavo right there. The way he comes in and says the title of the album. Oh yeah, it's such a great, like, perfect moment. No, so, Pick Up yeah. Phone is an amazing song. It's one of Travis's like highest watermarks, or or marks rather. I was meant to say a watershed moment, but I got a little confused because I'm sitting outside. But uh, no, I, that's definitely one of his like highest achievements as far as his singles are concerned. I I, I enjoy that song quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like since we've we've digressed so much, we do we should we should do Astro World. <laughs> How about it? We might, we've been on the trajectory. We've covered every project up until this point. Let's do it. So, 
we'll dive right in. How'd you guys feel about it before I espouse my uh, my views? Uh, I mean, I guess Patrick is Patrick's chill. I don't know. Maybe he's had to go somewhere. This is great radio that I'm saying this, but I'll uh, I'll I'll take Astroworld then. The hype for this was at a at a at a high that few albums in the last few years had. I think. Would you agree? Oh, completely. It was a moment when this thing dropped. <laughs> it was. It was a mo- like people were begging for this thing to come out like in 2017, and we were still like over a year away from it coming out. Yeah. Um. I think even like when Watch came out, I was like, okay, this is this the, the album's happening. It's it's still here, and I guess we can talk about that because how that didn't end up on anyone's album is is a travesty to me. Because that's a great song. Yeah, I like that song. I think that should have been on at least Uzi's album, but I think it should have also been on. I think I think you could have taken out Who What and put Watch in. Yeah, you could have. You could have. I would have. Uh, Maybe not in the same sequence, but just sub that out and put a different song. I, I think I think Watch is a good outro song because the the inch the sample the sample at the beginning where the girl's like, "Oh, this is the last ride. I'm ever gonna take it, Astro World." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of like how that that could be as an outro. Um, but yeah, like I'm, uh, I, 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 the the, the buildup for this was insane. Like, and it, to to me, it felt like this album could never, ever, ever possibly live up to the buildup, ever. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, a decent record. Maybe it would be good, but, like, I don't know. I was kind of in this position where, like, damn, I love Travis, but, like, it's not going to convert anybody that doesn't like him. Like, it's not going to – I don't know. I just – I wasn't – I was excited for it, but I wasn't, like, over the moon, like, you know, Travis Scott subreddit level, like, kind of, like, excited for it. You know what I mean? It had a lot of false launches. It did. It did. It wow. really it, Watches. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but it did though. You're right. You're really right. Like it, we. I thought it was gonna drop that whole summer, and then it eventually dropped right at the tail end of, of summer. Um, and like birds, I mean, this was. I mean, Travis was a supernova after this album. Like this made him one of the biggest out. Like he was. He wasn't like Drake level, but he was right, right below that. And like. Tracks, I mean, when this thing kicks in, I mean, Stargazing, like, just like a good Travis Scott song. Like, but Carousel, I didn't expect to hear Frank. Like, I didn't, you know, the way he did that was crazy. And Sicko Mode, I feel like the the takes around Sicko Mode, there are so many of them, but, and it's such a, you know, big song at this point. Um, but I think Sicko Mode, like, hearing it for the first time, whether you liked it or didn't like it, is still a pretty unique experience. Like, the way that song comes in, it doesn't sound like a lot of other songs Travis has made. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't like it. It feels like, I mean, it clearly worked. It resonated with a lot of people. It was on the radio for a while. Um, it's a huge song. I mean, the Drake verse, I don't know if it's a good verse or it's a meme. It's both, I guess. I, I think it's I think it's kind of both. <laughs> yeah, it's enjoyable, even if it's not like, like, is it like an amazing verse? No, but it's like, it's good. I don't mind it's it. Just, it's just Drake rapping over a New Age Memphis rap type beat. And I also yeah. think the song's kind of a meme too, because like all the, be- it almost takes the idea of a beat switch and makes it a joke. Yeah, I, feel I like- actually think I actually think Travis's rapping on that is like 
good technical rapping. If you're gonna like, no, not 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, like the way he actually like raps, which you can't really tell because like he also drops some like meme lines in here and there. But he actually has like the way his flow and his rapping, like from a you know, if we're gonna actually like analyze it, which I usually don't care about, but it's act, but it's a it, it's good. I just think the whole Drake bit with the whole I did half a Zan or whatever, like it's such a it's such a like self conscious bit, but not not I don't know. It's fun. It's not it's not nowhere near my favorite on here, but I still kind of smile hearing it now just because once again, kind of like songs like Goosebumps or whatever off Birds, like it was just this is even more inescapable. I mean, this was it was the number one song in the country for a while. Like it was a huge 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 song, um, and I didn't. It's a song where like it's ubiquity didn't make the song worse to me. It kind of made it like, oh, it's like a fun thing to like, you know, the people's reaction to this song, like quote unquote normal people who aren't like gigantic fucking nerds like we are, like people's reaction to this song when it came on made me smile. Like it was fun, you know, because people love this fucking song. I mean, I love the song too. I'm not going to lie. I think it's amazing, but that's just me. I think it's, I think it's a dope song. It's not one of my favorites, but I think it's a great, I think it's a great song. Um, not one of, like I said, not one, not in my top, maybe not in my top third on here, but I think it deserves, it was a big swing. It's a, it was a, it was an ambitious track. It was a big swing and it, it was, was fun. It was a big shot and he pulled it off and he resonated with people. Um, so good for him. I don't really enjoy the song, but it worked. Um, what I love on this album is a good two thirds of it. I think he really pulls off the psychedelic sound. I think Stargazing is a great opener. Um, mm-hmm. Carousel. Apparently, Frank didn't like his part on Carousel or didn't approve of his part on Carousel. There was some. I thought like he. That. I thought he walked that back. I thought. I thought they figured it out. I'm not they sure. Probably. I don't know. That he, might have been he, some Twitter beef or something. But, I mean, fun. I like him on Carousel. Like, I think it's like every Frank feature. I love it. Like, Frank has not ever done anything I don't like. So. Yeah, I, I I agree. I thought he killed it. I think he had a problem with how it was like mixed or something, or how his voice sounded like a, the pitch or something like that. But I thought, yeah, and like kind of pitches him up like the brand new, brand new, brand new. Sounds a little like yeah. high pitched for him, but I think it works. I think it sounds great. But well, I, I but like I said, I, and I'm not like either of you correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think he walked it back. Like I think he, I think they're okay. But who knows? Frank does everything in, in secret, so I don't know. But yeah. yeah, I think what had happened with the uh, the, the Frank, the Frank beef ish thing, as it were. I don't think it's much of a beef anymore. Was remember um, what was her name? Amanda Lepore, the uh, the actress or model who was on the cover on the, of on the cover, yeah, of the original album. Uh, she was taken off the cover. And Amanda Laporte happens to be a transgender woman. So yeah. I think that um, due to her being pulled off, Frank was just checking Trav to make sure, like, hey, this isn't because she's trans, right? And I don't know whether or not that is the reason that she was pulled. But apparently, according to Trav and Travis's team, it was not the reason. So... Uh, Frank was cool with it from that point on, and the song stayed. But that's something I think he had made an announcement, hinting at that. On... Yeah, he he was like, I'll, he was like, I want the song pulled if this is the reason. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember that like. Co- okay, that, that, 
Yeah. Which, like I said, I, we, we don't know. I truthfully might have been some label shit to me, but I don't. That's a, that's a take. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, Yosemite is one of the coolest little two minute interludes I can think of. It reminds yep. me a lot of White on um, uh, the John Chan- Mayer, Channel Orange. Actually, yeah. the John Mayer version on OF tape. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know that song, Yosemite, which I really like that song, is a self-conscious, because Gunna's on the song, it's like a self-conscious direct rip of the Gunna song, Sold Out Dates, with Lil Baby on it. That was like the first, one of the first Gunna songs that got him like really popular. Um, and the flow, like the ice on my neck, falls, like that flow is exactly, I mean, Gunna's doing it, so it's like his flow. But it's the same, like Sold Out Dates, it's Sold Out Dates, catch every day, it's the same flow. Um, Chris, I don't know if you've heard that song. But I think well, you I heard it like once. I've heard it Paris before. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty much to a T. I mean, Travis, like, the production and stuff is different, and, like, it's a little more spacey and atmospheric than Sold Out Dates is. Sold Out Dates is the classic, like, gonna wrapped over a guitar beat kind of song. Um, but the flow, like, the whole hook and everything is the same. And I guess, like I said, it's obviously okay because gonna did the whole hook and like it's his you know it's his flow but like they both are doing like sold out dates part two is what it is but sold out dates sold out dates is my favorite like gonna anything so i'm i'm cool with it because it's a great it's a great like uh it's pulling from a great song but yeah this is the same flow it's like the same kind of hook style it's like the same thing and yeah and uh just I hate to like wrap this up real quick, but I just realized I have to be up for work in five hours. But uh, so just Coffee Bean is like my favorite Travis song, and the Slater slowed version of Coffee Bean is um, actually I have Wyatt link that and the description is one of my favorite songs ever. I think that the Mike Dean influence that uh, Christian has mentioned is most pronounced on this album overall. Mm. I think the like psychedelic layered instrumentation that like you've talked about the beautiful twisted fantasy influence that Travis has had throughout his career. I think that's mostly uh, very pronounced on this album. Mm-hmm. I think RIP screw the psychedelic thing. Like that's, that is like, that's the same as like drugs. You should try it. Like RIP screw. When you saw that, you're like, please don't make the screw tribute be shitty. Please don't. And it was like the best possible thing you could have done. Yeah, it delivered hard. I, yeah. I, I thought this album, you know, as, as I guess a closing thought for just this album on my end and just in general, was like, um, I thought it lived up to the expectations as best as it could. I think that it's not better than Rodeo. I don't think that it's Travis's best album. I think it could maybe in the future go down as the coveted C-word classic, maybe in the future. I, I, I don't know. But I thought it was really dope. And I thought for an album that out that was as popular as this album was, I don't know of any that have taken the kinds of artistic risks that this album, that a three-times platinum rap album in 2018... Uh, took. I mean, Sicko Mode as the lead single was ballsy. That... It's, it's a it's a flex that you can make Sicko Mode as your lead single, or like Stop Trying to Be God was a single. That's a flex. That's a yeah, huge I... flex. 
wish I could talk about Stop Trying to Be God more. That's another great Mike Dean moment. Stop Trying to Be God. The melodies Mm -hmm. on that, the guitar on that is just amazing. They had had Stevie Wonder on harmonica, man. Like that, you know, like that's just. Also, yeah, shout out to him for getting a much better Stevie Wonder harmonica part than Drake. Uh, yeah. I think cool was the the Bjork sample on No Bystanders. I'm like, you're just not going to get this from too many other people at Travis's. Yeah, shout out to him for getting a better Bjork sample on one song than Death Grips did on a whole album. <laughs> oh my god! Ooh, ooh I like it. Talk I like about it. it. I like it. Yeah. I will say to Patrick's point, Patrick. I know you and I also love this song, uh, Astro Thunder. I know that we oh, yeah. we are. The Slater version of that as well is another uh, key. I, I think that was a key moment for for me sending you that at some point was a key moment for you getting more into this album, I think. It was either that or Coffee Bean, I forget. but I mean, Coffee Bean was the key, but then After Thunder after that, and then I just kind of, I think I downloaded the whole thing. Um, yeah. Because I was already deep into the whole Slater thing because of uh, his uh, dialit version, which mm. I still play regularly. Yeah, um, I still think Travis's voice is uniquely suited to this. That's why I like the Slim K versions. I think he's in the same vein as uh, Devin the Dude and Tupac in terms of his voice just sounds so much better slowed down. Mm-hmm. And that's why I much like his approach now where he's not like doing the hard rapping as much. That's why it was very jarring to me to hear him rap the way he was on uh, Days Before Rodeo where he's still trying to be seen as a rapper as opposed to much more of a fully formed artist who sings a lot and... I don't know. I feel like for somebody that I thought was being put in the cutty slot and I resented him for that, he's doing a lot more of the 808 style songwriting these days. And that seems a much better natural fit for him than when he's trying to rap. And I think to, to, like I said, uh, I guess my wrapped up thoughts is that coffee bean, as you, as we all have said, is amazing. I, I would talk about can't say a lot because Don Tolliver is the best thing he's ever done. Um, but I do think that Coffee Bean to to close the album has such an 808s vibe. You you nailed it. It's uh it's just the way it rides out makes me feel like uh, Welcome to Heartbreak that Kanye and Cuddy uh, yeah. track. The way that guitar comes in and the way it rides out. I mean that's just there are a few there are a few things in rap better than a good beat riding out. No, I agree completely. Yeah, it was a dope album. I feel like Trav, I think years from now, we're going to look back on Trav very fondly. I think there's going to be a lot of critical reappraisal around all of his music, but especially Rodeo and potentially even Astroworld. I think even some of the more uh, skeptical, cynical sides of like the internet rap sphere who don't really like that album too much, as, as I've seen on RYM or other websites, I think people are going to come around to it and the rest of Travis's work and really, I think we're going to appreciate that this man is one hell of an artist, in my opinion. I think he's an amazing artist. I think he's probably going to continue to be a compelling artist. And yeah, I I just think he's dope. Yeah, I think that while I can't co-sign everything he's done, I think that I've gained a greater appreciation for his work. And Christian, thank you for joining us. We are living off our time, and we will see you next week. Our outro music is Stagnated Pace by Canvix. Take on your-
gon' never stop. It ain't 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 gon' never stop.